0: Greetings, Standard Nerds. This is Christopher McClanahan of DeeplyDapper.com.
1: This is Tom Catamante of Third Rail Design Lab. And it's, it's time to, to...
2: Release the <laughs>
0: Clang, 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 clang. You your thing? This week on Robot Kraken, do you not know how to how would how do you not know how to spell robot? I know, but
1: I'll uh, uh, <laughs> Out- try to edit it Out- live outrageous. edit this on our script. <laughs> I was attempting to write robot <laughs> in, a,
0: in a period style, robot, robot oh, Kraken. robot. <laughs> this week on Robot Kraken, we appease the beast with a Game of Thrones double feature. A double what? Double feature. Does that mean more than one episode? So we talk about it in one podcast? Yeah, as if we have the ability to talk about two shows in one and not have it go three hours long. This is, this is an outrage. <laughs> We're going to do it anyway, though. Awesome. Yeah, I so, think this'll be a fun way for us to do this where we get to talk about everything that happens in each city and not fill up our talk time for every other episode that way. Yeah, I think it's a great way yeah. of
1: condensing because especially this season, every episode has been throwing darts all over the map. <laughs> right. And a little bit of what's happening with everybody necessarily so, right? And so this way by you know, doing a couple episodes at a time, we get a little more little more substance. There's a little more uh, what? Sausage in the casing? There's a little more.
0: Meat on the dragon. That, that's what I'm saying. So
1: that's a little more. A little more. Breast uh, is in the, in the gown. The with thrones. Or out so of the gown. There's a little
0: more imp for the pimping. A, a little more blood coming out of the jugular. Yes. Uh,
1: okay. So I have a question for you. What's that? I think it's a good time to do our Sucking the Monkey segment, but what do you think? Do you, are you ready for that?
0: I think that's a swell plan. It's five dehydrated pirates, rehydrate! Do you have something in that sweet, sweet cup of yours? Yes, this is my sweet double R diner mug that I picked up in Twin Peaks
2: ah, when we were on okay. our vacation.
0: and I, I get it. I am drinking a damn fine cup of coffee with a liberal amount of Bailey's Irish cream in it.
1: Yum. You know, when I saw that mug on our on the screen, because we're actually not in the same place. And when I saw that mug, I thought, what, is this some sort of code? Like if I if I accidentally say, well, what did George Martin think? And you throw that up.
0: Ha! Ha! That's true. I am drinking out of my RR mug. He's he's,
1: he's not a he's not a Beatles producer. He's a writer. Okay, so. All right. What am I drinking? You ask. What are Um, you drinking? Me ask. At the moment, I'm drinking a delicious beer from Speakeasy called a Metropolis Lager.
0: That seems to and, be your your liquor producer of choice.
1: Well, it's one of them right now, certainly because again, I do tend to buy local beers, and I also like to buy local beers with, beers with sweet, sweet graphics. Here's some old timey guys.
0: You know, we actually saw that beer at one of the places we were at out in Washington, but we was did not buy about it. That.
1: Well, but I was excited to hear you talking about beers that I knew. Uh, as you got closer to the Pacific coast, (laughs) you were, but, um, so yeah, so I'm starting with the lager and then I'm going to transition to the prohibition ale, which is, you know,
0: I like the, the back panel on that with the little dude peeking out through the, the speakeasy hole. I like back panels
1: with anything peeking out of any hole, frankly. Oh my. Uh, So, (laughs) so, okay. So it's a, so, all right. So you've got your sweet beverage and I've got mine. (laughs) So, what's been going on? How are you doing? That was
0: you... not the most subtle transition we've ever done. Oh, it was an excellent <laughs> no, it was No, it was casual and relaxed
1: and completely natural. So, what have you been up to? What are you doing?
0: Well, I just got back from the Salt Lake Gaming Con, and I've been doing lots of yard work and prepping for Denver Comic Con now.
1: These notes here I wrote for you are... Uh, cons, drives, meats, and weeds. <laughs> I think that's accurate.
0: Those are all extremely <laughs> accurate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we had talked last time
1: that maybe you would give a breakdown of your con experience, but I was thinking since I started listening to uh, what you've been posting at uh, Deeply Dapper Dispatches, which is a fine a fine podcast, I recommend <laughs> highly to our 333,000 listeners, but you guys do a night-by-night uh, sort of post on what you experienced. Yeah, we've started really doing
0: good. that. It's been kind of a fun way to do it. So
1: I think we should – you could talk briefly about what you've been doing and then we could just point people to your other podcasts and they yeah. can get you know three we hours of that. that.
0: That sounds good. While yeah. well, you have that up on the screen though with the cons, drives, meats, and weeds, yeah. weeds is something I could talk about that was an interesting experience that we didn't address on our podcast for Crypticon. Okay. Uh, while we were in Washington, we went to a weed dispensary there. Whoa. And it was a very interesting experience because I'd never been to a legal weed dispensary. You know, normally you go to one and they're playing the Don't You Dis d- 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 Ride Pits. Pitts,
2: will come and send me, man. I'm fucking killing you, man. Oh, yeah. On the screen. Man. Man. And, yeah.
0: Right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and... You know, there there's a dude in the corner wearing tie-dye, and he's like, how much you want, man? But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Like, they checked our ID about six times to get into that place. And, uh, like, they took a photo of it, and it felt like we were getting into some sort of exclusive club. And then you walk into the lamest room ever. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, so it's just, like, three display cases with the tiniest amount of green stuff in a bag possible with fancy names. And, you know, I don't smoke weed. I've tried it a couple of times and got a headache each time. And screw that noise. I get headaches cutting weeds. I don't need to smoke weed that's super expensive.
1: Well, but that's interesting, though. I wonder if there's something else at play in those experiences because, uh, you know, a common common legitimate use of medical marijuana is, uh, you know, relief from migraines,
2: right yeah
0: which is why i tried it initially it was because of that and it's Mm. and you know it could just be just the the smoking aspect of it maybe i if i tried like like an edible or something like that but um we were there for a person whom i know that Wanted to try something that may be helping a disease he has, and uh-huh. we we're like, oh, we'll p- maybe pick up something, but not smuggle it across state lines or anything like that. Yeah, certainly <clears not throat> mis-
1: misuse your uh, misuse your apparent uh, medical marijuana card. No, right, no. but it but was that's an, an interesting premise. You got it for a friend that was you, right? Yes, right, it. no,
0: <laughs> but it was interesting. I I didn't expect quite the level of pretentiousness that this place had. Ah, uh, okay. And it was called Urban Decay, Herb H E R B, of course. Um, And you know, it was. I'm assuming it's pretty standard for a weed shop, but I thought it was interesting all the same. (sighs) You know, did you just suck on a frosting dispensary tip?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was doing the pantomime for smoking a a sweet blunt, but in fact, it's it's the. Razor claw attachment to steel jaw, which is a Decepticon. So, oh, that's the nerd so, solution. To this, so that
0: was the sound of Tom sucking off a Decepticon. Everyone <laughs> it was exactly that.
1: <laughs> what do you mean, man? So I've never actually been in one of those, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, I thought I had I had preconceived notions of what they'd be like, and then I saw some some photos or something of early dispensaries back before it, it started to gain the the this surge of legitimacy mm-hmm. that they have now in most states, uh, which I think is great. Uh, b- but what I imagined was more like what you described. Mm-hmm. And I have subsequently seen uh, stuff around here, you know, like uh, image galleries and things, you know, articles talking about the big business of dispensaries and how, right. as, as predicted in the legalization of marijuana movement, that this was going to be this huge tax boom. And it was, you know, be a fun, a fundamentally, uh, important shift in how the money flows from, uh, n- not just from the, you know, sort of underworld side to the legitimate side, but also right. from small growers or small dealers to corporations. Right. Because right. Really big business. Now all the weed in California is being harvested and processed in giant greenhouses in San Jose or wherever. Right. Mean, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a it very quickly became a major crop Uh, and it's astounding. But anyway, I've seen these images in there and you know, some of them, it it looks like you're in a spa. Some of them, (laughs) it looks like you're in, you know, minority report or something, you know, like they put a lot in, in some of these locations, they put a lot into the presentation of the place you're going to. And then some are like what you described. Yeah.
0: This one felt more like I was going into some really shady pawn shop, honestly, like really clean, but it's totally a pawn shop. Like there was a couple of, things over in a corner that was their half-assed attempt at some sort of decor but (laughs) it was just like cheap glass cases with really expensive weed
1: (laughs) that's really interesting it reminds me of the sunglasses boutiques that we have in in san Ooh,
0: that's actually a really good analog yeah yeah you know the
1: ones where it's like there's five pairs on the in the entire retail space yeah um but there it would have been everything would be highly lacquered and super clean <laughs> and it would be a very expensive Italian chair and to be playing chill out music. And in your case it was probably just, you know, it a, got, that's actually, was that's actually
0: there was no music at all. Which that's was weird. kind of odd. Yeah. That may have been the, the most off putting thing about it, actually. All right.
1: Scathing review of Urban Decay.
0: Yes. How about you? What have you been up to? I didn't do that or any of those things. Um, well you've had so, weeds in yours as well, sir. Yeah. I have.
1: <laughs> um, you and I both decided because we don't have enough issues with uh allergies in these post-apocalyptic
2: <laughs> earth earth cracking in half uh
1: post El Nino months. Um, I decided that I had let the the yard go long enough. You know, we bought the house in September and then we went through the rain season and you know when you buy a house, they've they've been uh they've had someone landscape it and it's all nice and and there was no leaves on the tile and everything looked great. And then nature took over the oak trees, started dropping their leaves and I was spending (laughs) months scooping, filling the yard bins with, with, you know, with all of these droppings. And then, you know, uh, you know, the birds with the crows would go in and, and other birds would go in and eat these berries from this one tree series of trees we have. And then they would go and hang out over the edge of the house and, and take dumps as well as the remnants of the berries. And so you just had this like horrible Jackson Pollock painting. So I've gone through this cycle over the, the brief time that we're here of nature slowly taking over. And so the one thing, and so I was sort of like, you know, I was weeding hand weeding here and there. And then I started looking around the perimeter and I realized that I had let the edges, you know, like the, the, I guess the perimeter go and it got really fast. So all of a sudden (laughs) worst case scenario is the side yard. The weeds are taller than me. Okay? I'm not just talking about flowing grasses, which those were about, you know, to my knee. Right. I'm talking about these runners, like these long stalks of furry, <laughs> weird species of weed that are sticking straight up, and they're over six feet tall. My neighbor could see it off his side of the fence. I'm like, what the heck, And then they also had other ones that had spines, like a, or like a thorns, like a rose bush, but it's a vine. It's like a creeper vine kind of thing. So it was getting really nasty. So, I went out and I bought this is an urban guy talking about. It. I know
0: these are endlessly fascinating to me. <laughs> he's like, those are the good ones. I could just listen to you talk about your your experiences in having a yard for just hours because it's just so great. It makes it sound so much more fun than when I think about it on my end. You're like, but that's all that that's the that's the good kind. <laughs> that's the, the kind you put in your salad, yo. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, <laughs> So here I am on the one hand, I'm all proud of my vegetable garden, which we've talked about before and you've edited out. But then on the <laughs> other hand, I have weeds taller than my head. And my only regret is that I didn't take a before photo because I went to uh, the hardware store and I got a weed whacker nice. for my, my cordless system, you know, and I have a bunch of batteries so I wasn't worried. So I got a <laughs> weed whacker and then I also got a blow, uh, like a another, bl- I have a blower, but then I got a... a one that was re- was reversible, so you could actually have a vacuum attachment to a, Ooh, big bag. a blower
0: and a sucker,
1: oh yes, and um and I went at it for three hours yesterday morning before some family stuff we had to do, and i i I felt like i mean it felt like I was out there for two days <laughs> because I was drenched in sweat it was pouring in my Your eyes, back I had,
2: sore and <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah
1: I, everything hurt, my arm was getting fatigued from all I was using a hatchet to hatch the the <laughs> the base of these giant clusters of runners, and then I was weed whack and everything and weed whacking sucks because you're not really pull you are not doing anything to weeds right weed whacking really has no business existing other you're just than
0: spanking them lightly well yeah you're
1: trimming them <laughs> and then they're just gonna you know that's not that's like i realize that that's really for people who have like a like a large area or grass or field and you're not gonna sit mm-hmm. there and pluck all the weed out of the ground in those events so you're just gonna right. shave them down but right. in my case, I should be plucking them. So I figured this was the day one solution, and then I. I think it that's the... a good
0: call. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I mean the the after photo. If only you could see the before, but the after looks great because it's scorched <laughs> earth. Like I just obliterated the side yard. Um, did you wear your so your
0: damage. bee hunting outfit while you did it? Oh, I should have. I swear to you, <laughs>
1: things were flying. Things were flying at me willy nilly. I got I got pierced by like those thorns, and I wasn't even touching them. Like they were flying out of the wee whack <laughs> and get me. It was terrible. Um, I'm still that city kid, but man, I'm
2: doing my best. <laughs> so that, that was my Good story. job, and, Tom. And I'm proud of you.
1: I didn't, have a, uh, I didn't have this huge allergy attack that I thought I was going to have. We went to my kid's big uh, tap belly recital in the Civic Center, and I was going to be in that room for three hours watching this whole spectacle, and I was what? convinced I was going to have a meltdown and nothing What nothing kind of happened.
0: recital? Did you say tap Tap belly? tap <laughs> oh man
1: that's like that's like when the when the when the good sammers or whatever it is that whole rv senior rv club <laughs> over at a walmart somewhere in ben ankle west kansas Tapping and they each have other
2: tap on
0: the gut tap, 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 <laughs> tap, tap. what what did you say <laughs> well that's
2: now a thing
1: <laughs> tap belly competition oh i love it um i I'll tell you what, if I tell my kids about that, we will have them here. <laughs> they already punched me. They'll, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to tap me. Um, I said tap and ballet. Recital. Oh,
0: ballet. Okay. That, that doesn't exist in Idaho, Idaho, but I, I'm i aware of it. Tap belly sounds probably more... Tap belly is more Idaho, certainly. <laughs> well, so anyway, I didn't
1: have any of the of the hay fever kind of response I thought I was going to have. However, while I was doing it, and then after when I was in the shower, I couldn't get the... The sensation of stinging out of my arms and my mm. face, like all of the physical contact with all the pollen had, and big little scrapes and things, right. getting it into my skin. I like I couldn't, I couldn't scrub it off me. Do you know what I mean? Right. You think I had heard something more than these creepy?
0: Well, you use such different muscles when you're trimming with yeah. a weed whacker too, because you're bent kind of weird, and your arms are going in this strange back and forth motion that you don't normally do. Yep. Yeah. So, so that
1: was a whole lot about weed management. What else? Uh, I saw some movies. I saw X-Men, Apocatol.
0: Going to that tomorrow.
1: Mm, we need to talk about that next time I think. I like. Eh, yeah, and then uh also I I broke my rule. I was going to rewatch all of the Daniel Craig Bond movies, like you were saying, you were going to do, mm-hmm. and then watch Spectre. And then I was just like, ah, I just felt like watching it. So I <laughs> I'd had I'd been having some technical difficulties, and then I finally resolved it by rebuilding my network. And I was like, I'm going to celebrate by watching the damn Spectre. And it took me two days to get through it just because of exhaustion. But um, so I have thoughts on that eventually, too. Uh, and then tomorrow night, I'm going to go see The Nice Guys. Excellent. Another one that you have to see so we yes. can talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's very high on my list of to watch.
1: And then finally, I bought some Legos and built some Legos. Nice. So, yeah, I saw I got...
0: the, the Legos. They're the the cute little girl friends ones.
1: Yeah. You know, I, as a rule, I'm not super thrilled by the girl line of Legos because I, I you know, as a father, I'm sort of insulted. They don't need that. We talked about that before. But my daughter likes them. So what am I? What the hell?
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, Lego you know, knows they, their stuff. They've been doing it long enough that they know that there's a certain crowd of people that will only buy those because they're what they are. Well, they I, but you're right. Yeah. They definitely talk down to the girls. However, it's interesting, though,
1: that it's a smart play because they know that the parents will buy the Lego Friends stuff mm-hmm. and then be outraged and still go and buy other Legos like the Lego City or Lego other things that, right. that, that that their children of either gender will be into. So they're going to basically buy two times as many expensive I've been having such a Lego sticker shock this last week. <laughs> I was buying Lego for my daughter's birthday last week, and then I was buying – I bought some this past weekend just as activities. Uh, and I just was – I find myself just going over and over and over the aisles fi- desperately finding something in this less offensive price point. Like somehow to me the $50 <laughs> range is reasonable, but the 80 and up – it's It's just egregious, even though those are much more satisfying kits they
2: are and yeah. you get more
1: bang for your buck really, as we've talked about before, particularly if it's not franchised but right man, i just it's so hard to get over that that mental barrier of the eighty dollar Lego kit yeah, I start I agree. associating up eighty dollars with other things or. 100, dollars 120, 150. $200 right. 200 bucks for those really interesting ones. I and I was at the Star
0: 350 like the firehouse that I still haven't bought. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I I fantasize about some of the big Star Wars kits. Not the Millennium Falcon because I don't like the way they Yeah, I don't, don't the care zoning for that. of the Yeah, but I mean some of the other ones. I'd love the uh the Slave the,
0: One looks amazing.
1: It does. And the Imperial transport shuttle. Yeah. It's really good. Um and of course, you know, I, I, I would love to have an at at and uh, mm-hmm. a few others, but that's but that's not really important. The point is uh, <laughs> I I was at Toys R Us and I couldn't rationalize any of the kits, got some for the kids, but I couldn't find one that I was, you know, because I like to get one for myself to work on with them and then take a photo, add it to the bin. Right. <laughs> couldn't find I couldn't find anything I was willing to do. I like, almost pulled the trigger a couple of times and I was like, that's just going to look at the picture. It's going to be. You know, it's going to be yeah. your palm, your hand for 50 bucks. I can't do it. So then we were in another store, like a Borders or something. Oh, yeah, we are in Borders. I was trying to buy a physical book. Huh. New. Star do they Wars. still make those. I know. Wow. Blood, blood, bloodbath, <clears throat> blood, blood, blood life, whatever it is. It's the, the, the it's in the other section we're going to talk about. It's the, <laughs> the one about layout. OK, so I went to buy the book. They had a display and I found a kit that was 50 bucks that I wanted and I bought it. But just to say, Ghostbusters Echo 1, original one.
0: Oh, nice. Excellent. You that have, is we, a great set. Yeah. We have that one. Yeah. yeah. So that, I really like it.
1: Um, my kids really like doing the Mystery Machine. They like the Scooby-Doo mm, Legos. Yeah, they're, that one's cool, too. They're going to like this one, too, in the same way. It's very stylized, you know, some of the detail.
0: Do you have the the lighthouse of the Scooby-Doo ones? No, I don't. It's really good. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, you know, um, we were slowly plotting which one's... They want to get next in that series because they really they really like those nice okay so that's that um e, uh, I, I have a i have a topic before we move on and it's about beer i see so you guys were talking about in your trip you were tasting you were doing your big your 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 pretentious just came out of the dispensary <laughs> 10 minutes uh <laughs> delicately tasting your stump town and mm finish as well anyway i was curious <laughs> i wonder what the difference is because i've never had stump town and i'm wondering how different it, different it might be from my uh aunt sally that i was talking about was the that the time. cherry
0: one that we had yes yeah it was not as sour as i'd expected it to be but it was pretty good uh, okay so
1: do you think it was more like the some of the other beers that are accented by fruit or uh flavoring or spices that have been introduced but they aren't artificially flavored such as watermelon ale and these sorts of things yeah i
0: think so yeah it definitely had real cherry in it it had a lot more of that flavor to it but it it definitely it didn't have the the taste of those those wonderful sours that's what we thought we were getting into and it wasn't but it was pretty good still
1: i even though it's um prohibitively expensive to do it i'm still thinking about sending you some of this aunt sally's because (laughs) i
0: i've had a number of sours in my
1: day and i do enjoy them But this is like, hey, tell me, tell you what, I'm going to even tell you what they say it is because it's hilarious. They call (laughs) it a unique dry hopped sweet tart sour mash ale. We soured the wort on the hot side with lactobacillus for a few days and then brewed up the smooth and hoppy sour. It tastes like a big bowl of fruity candy or some chewable flavored vitamins. But what's the difference? It's sweet, tart and sassy, just like the tasty cherry pie that your favorite aunt makes. For all the Aunt Sallys out there, you know who you are. I don't think that's really true. It doesn't taste like candy at all. Hmm. It doesn't have an artificial flavor whatsoever, but it is really, really sour, tart taste. I
0: I liked the one truly sour beer I'd had. I thought it was really good. It's something genuinely unique, which I think is really cool.
1: All right. Well, okay. So. You know, we are getting together
0: fairly soon, too. Oh, we will make... We will make time it. <laughs> is coming quickly, sir. Which kind Whoop. of brings us to the shipyard. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship, <laughs> fast ship. You've never heard
1: of the Millennium Falcon. It does. The shipyard. Would you suggest maybe this is like our ports of progress, if you will, something yeah. like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. This is where we talk about your con
0: schedule and what we're doing and arts. Arts. Yes. artsy. Uh, this uh, is our artsy fartsy segment.
1: Uh, you speak for yourself. So, what are you? What do you <laughs> got? You're preparing for another con.
0: I am preparing for Denver Comic Con, which is uh, not this coming weekend, but the weekend following. It has an obscene guest list, but it also has an obscenely gigantic like floor. Mm. Um, like I haven't even dove. All the way into the map yet. Usually I like to look at who's at each row and who I'm close to. And if I know anybody, I know I'm pretty close to our, our friend that we met at Sacramento, uh, Caroline.
1: Uh huh. Oh, good.
0: Um, yeah, she's on the same row as me. So that's cool. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like a few of the other people I've met previously, like Tomas Overby and a few others are there. So it'll okay. be kind of cool in that respect. I get to see some people that I haven't seen because we aren't doing any Wizard Worlds this year. And most oh, of those guys do the the that circuit.
1: Um, can you believe that Wizard World SAC has a guest list now that looks actually...
0: Yeah. It doesn't yeah. change that. I mean, you can
1: see that the comments are already there, like, well, I don't have 300 bucks, so I can't get in. <laughs> right. Whereas, well, they sure just posted
0: a $14 million loss for the year. Oh, interesting. And one of the other cons that they're doing, it looks insane. It's a cruise. A what? A Comic-Con cruise. where you spend like four days on a boat with Chris Hemsworth and some other people. And I guess you get like free photo ops and all sorts of stuff. It would be kind of fun, but
1: can you imagine the, the, the the filtering of celebrity guests that would have to happen for an event like that? I've heard about this cruises before and the people want, you know, you always imagine it's like D listers, right? And I've heard some, you know, I don't know, B list people doing them and they talk it up like it's this great deal. And I'm thinking to myself, you're gonna be trapped with a rabid right. fan base? It sounds horrifying. But
0: I Yeah, know. I don't know. It's um you know, they they sent me like three different emails, including one that was like straight to me specifically, asking me if I wanted to be a vendor at it. Really? And I was like, you know what? I really don't think I want to be a <laughs> vendor in a boat where <laughs> <laughs> you know they're are already limited monies as a result of it, yeah. And right. like like the cheapest, the cheapest tickets for these a double, inside no view, is nine hundred and fifty nine dollars.
1: On the other hand, there might be something to this because who buys tickets to a cruise? People who can afford tickets to a cruise, which is right? true. I mean, and, and certainly there are. You know, there's a level of cruise tours that's sort of like the inclusive resorts where you know you're 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 scraping the money together for the thing and then it's all included and that's all you got to do i understand that there's that market but if it's a cruise that's for selling you stuff
0: that's true
1: i have to to wonder but again i don't know who that segment is they want to be on the they want to be in a convention for four days yeah in in those big week-long conventions that you've gone to or that we've talked about have you seen the same uh, the, the same customers, though, every day? Because I always imagine it's different people.
0: Right. And that's kind of where my my question is by that. Like, the inside cabin no view is 121 square feet for yeah. the cabin. Yeah. And the the higher scale goes up to upwards of $4,000.
1: But do they even have enough ballroom or or, you know... You know, large pre-function space on those ships to have much of a scale for putting a bunch of boots in? I
0: think they do. I mean, some of these boats are just obscenely huge. huge, And I believe this is like just Wizard World on this boat. Oh, I see. So I think it's one of those things where they have all of the different dining rooms and the ballrooms and all of that. So you know, wow. it's it's an interesting idea. I just think from a vendor standpoint or from a celebrity standpoint, like you said, I think it'd be a nightmare. It'll
1: be interesting <laughs> to find out. If hopefully we find out someone that we know does it, because I'd love to hear. It's going to be yes. another one of those things where they're going to come back and be like,
0: Robert Downey Jr.
1: and I were playing cards in <laughs> the morning eating hot dogs. Right there. <laughs>
0: So yeah, anyway, that's... Um, I don't even know how we got... Oh, D- Denver. Yeah. So beyond that, uh, beyond prepping for Denver, I've been looking enviously at everybody that got to go to the Phoenix Comic Con because that thing apparently was a gangbusters show. Really? Yeah. Um, and... Oh, I am working on a little bit of new art. Um, I've got a... I'm working on a series of, like, painted portraits from Clue, and um, I'm doing Tim Curry right now because he's making his first ever con appearance at a show somewhere out east, and they're letting you get uh, signatures if you want to pay for it, and then they'll mail it to you. You don't have to actually be present at the show Huh. And my wife is a huge Clue fan, and we're both t- big Tim Curry fans. So we're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this. It was like a hundred and some odd bucks for a signature, which is a little spendy. But for somebody like Tim Curry to sign something that I did, I was like, ah, eh, let's yeah, do it. That's
1: it. That's it. That you did the art. And also, I have to imagine in the grand, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a huge swelling of cult. Fanaticism about Clue, but I would imagine that the lion's share of the stuff that he's being asked to sign is not Clue, right? And it's some of his more popular genre stuff. So I, I'm, just, I'm wondering if he's going to look at that and be like, "This is neat," you know? Yeah, There's something very, very specific.
0: Yeah, that would be very cool if that's the case. Because yeah, like it wasn't even an option when you could you could pick a photo if you weren't sending something in, and they didn't even have a Clue photo to use. So. Mm. So I thought it sounded kinda of interesting.
1: Yeah, that does sound cool and I can't wait to see the finished product when you're done with it.
0: So what about you? What are you working on?
1: A whole lot of nothing. Uh, so yeah, it's been a week, man. I haven't had I haven't had time to 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 draw anything really. So I did a little more work on that Spider Man. I tweaked I again decided that it was not worth proceeding proceeding with. I needed to start over. I have such a specific image in my head of what Spider Man should look like when I draw him and this was not it. <laughs> but at the same time I couldn't let it go it's that fallacy of time right time value or something like that i I was reading something about this earlier but this is you know it's like why people oh you know what it was it wasn't I was reading I was listening to that screenwriters podcast that I like and they were oh, talking yeah. about these different the different mechanisms in screenwriting for allies what how hard it is to write allies and their motivations right mm-hmm. villains and villains and lovers are easy allies are challenging and one of the one of the types of allies that they were talking about, or one of these archetypes, was was uh, the the time value fallacy of you know people who are in a relationship who really shouldn't be in that anymore, but they've they think that they should stick it out because they've already spent so much money or so many years or so much effort. So rather than it go to waste, they got to see it out, right? So it's right. The, couple, the couple that's not really in love anymore, but they got to well, we've been on this far, you know, or you know. The gambler that won't stop. Right? <laughs> right. So that's my Spider-Man right now. Like, I can't let go because I put so much time into trying to save it. Right. Understandable. So I think what's going to happen. Yeah, what's going to happen is it's like one some of your experiences you've shown me. I think I'm going to render it, color it, get done with and be like, OK. And then I'm going to turn around and very naturally draw what I should have done the first time. Like, I just <laughs> I'm a little rusty right now. And I think it's showing in the lack of expressiveness in what I was trying to do. And Spider-Man needs to me, to do him right, Spider Man needs a certain uh, loose, gangly flexibility in how you draw him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: in all deference to to um, to uh, John Romita Jr., who I like his art, but his Spider Man was as stocky as Wolverine. You know. Yeah, I, it's it needs to be this this really loose, like um, uh, contortionist. Mm-hmm. I think of contortionists when I've seen like Circus Soleil, and I think of Spider Man. So that's what mine does not have it's too rigid in the in the musculature and i so i i know i'm gonna finish it and then redraw it but that's okay <laughs> it's part of the process also i started my sketch for a hydrocap there goes my claws right and just, on um and that's about it so cool yeah and and my and my time is shrinking rapidly on getting all of my books and stuff ready for yeah. our, so i, need I to stop hear that around.
0: yeah so okay well, I guess we... that was our shipyard segment. Yes, it is. So we... let's move on to the news. Anything exciting coming out?
2: Alive. It's alive. It's alive.
1: The route. The, the robot's route. Yeah. news that you can't get anywhere else but here.
0: Yes. Exclusively here and wherever we found the news. <laughs> Which was... I directly from a person i'm sure yes hey, item item
1: so john boyega apparently was cast in the sequel or prequel maybe sequel for pacific rim that's yeah, what i read um, it's a thing that happened i'm pretty excited about it i like that idea
0: yeah I, who is it that's directing that now i don't know i i don't even i don't even know
1: in fact i thought it was off on the shelf again right like i didn't even think it was going mm-hmm. forward
0: um, actually, they have signed a director. Um, his name's Stephen Denight. And he has actually directed a few episodes of Netflix's Daredevil.
1: Ooh. I'm glad you had that committed to memory, man, because that's exciting.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> exciting and relevant information. Boyega, Boyega just texted me, actually. He's like, oh, no, a- yeah, there is one. <laughs>
1: mate, comma. <laughs> so, you know, I think he's very watchable. Yeah. I actually really, really like him in Attack the Block. Yes. And- and uh, and, uh, you know, and then, of course, I liked him in Star Wars. I think that he has what it he has that thing that it takes to be a main like a lead in a film.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: There are a lot of actors that I really enjoy, but they are character actors. They need to be a supporting character to really shine. And sometimes and then especially if it's a a product where they're trying to, um, you know, Independence Day, it like someone has to be the big hero <laughs> and be everything to everybody or like transformers or something if it's not that kind of project and and there could be a little bit of personality in the main character uh some people have it and some people don't and you can tell instantly when it when it's not right right Uh, it's the same reason why i'm optimistic on that blade runner project which we by all intents and purposes should be very skeptical of (laughs) Um, i think i think the baby goose uh, Ryan Gosling, he's very watchable. Yes, so absolutely.
0: I, I think that, you know,
1: it could be saved because of that. So, yeah. in, he, in this case, Boyega, I think, um, sounds like a great choice for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it.
1: Uh, plus, there was no one of color in Pacific Ram, period. Like, not even.
0: Yeah, not, not even. really, yeah. So, you
1: know, God forbid they diversify a little bit. So, I think that's
0: something. <laughs> right. What else? Any other items? Uh, yes. yes, item. Rogue One has clarified, well, a source close to Entertainment Weekly has clarified what exactly the reshoots for Rogue One entails.
1: What did they say? Because I hadn't heard this, and you're the one who has the sweet scoop.
0: Yeah, according to uh, a source at Entertainment Weekly, there were issues with some tone but that that
1: (laughs) that's the best thing in the trailer though yeah exactly well i i
0: guess it was (laughs) a little more war movie than star wars than they'd expected uh but the primary reason for the reshoots is to clarify character development and they all take place as inserts within scenes we've already shot so been, a lot of it's like reaction shots or things where they started doing the special effects and they're like, oh, we need this from a different angle kind of thing.
1: Which is what you expect from reshoots as, you know, these movies, these kinds of movies have a budget specifically for that. It's intended that they go into editing, find the holes and then, pull, and then fill them. Right. Which, which and it's reasonable
0: and the reason why there's been reports that there's so much being reshot is that uh this is a direct quote here the length of the reshoots add up because it involves separate contributions from many different actors mm. and so it's any time when there's this many people right. in the film that they've got to shoot it's lining out the time for each one and that kind of thing so we can put our excited hat back on.
1: Well, you know, last night we were saying how we chose to believe that Gareth Edwards hadn't um, hadn't screwed the pooch, and that yes. that aspect of the story was inflated. And it certainly sounds that way because uh, if I read correctly, Macquarie tweeted in offense, right? Like outraged, saying, "You know, it's it's a dick thing to say." Excuse me. Hold on. It's a <laughs> it's it's very rude to suggest that a director needs help to finish kind of like what happened on fantastic four right right i mean how shane how was that how was he ever supposed to have save face um trank when trank, yeah. you know when it's public when it's public knowledge that uh they they're bringing people in to save the film because you can't handle it right you know? or that or, or again wasn't this the film that he got pulled off of
0: i believe so yeah he or, was originally or might have lined been, out for this or one of them or, or maybe the boba fett one or something but but
1: even so you know, a vote of no confidence that's public—you can't get, a, you can't,
0: you can't get away from that. Right? No, there so absolutely isn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: Macquarie was apparently very—I didn't read the tweet or anything, but um, you know, he. What I read was that he was adamant that he wasn't. Not only was he not coming in to save anybody, he was just filling out more detail on script. Now that there was more, you know, there was more script. Frankly, right, right. right. They were shooting while he was still working on it, so. I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic about that, and I also really like the t- I like the tone of that. I like the idea that he's supporting the the original director and is insisting that he's not being brought in to save the film. Yeah. Uh, assuming that's true, that's reassuring to me.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: However, on the same at at the same time, the idea it's uh, as idiotic as it is to imagine that Disney would be like they give Gareth Edwards this project and then they're they're pissed that it's a an herb ur- an urgent you know tense war thriller <laughs> i mean <you> no know, <laughs> well what did you think was going to happen have you looked at, i mean it's like it, you know it's sort of like when people were s- speculating on the reshoots on suicide squad that maybe warner brothers was somehow instantaneously knee-jerk reacting to to the bbs criticism and telling avery to to uh or iris sorry to right. uh to lighten up the film, and you know that like, <clears throat> that's a ship that moves too slow. There's no way that was the case, <laughs> <But> <laughs> right? Be similarly misguided, right? You know, you're an auteur who has a very very specific vision that we really like, but here now change everything. Yeah, uh, you know the Barton Fink feeling thing. So anyway, so I, I I'm optimistic. Me too. I'm excited. I have an item.
0: Item. What?
1: Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. So, so 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 the fans have been screaming for Katie Sackhoff forever.
0: Yes, as a good speculative reason.
1: casting choice, and <laughs> I'm and I was actually definitely one of those because I could see it right. Yeah, I could totally see yeah. it, and the photo manips were perfect. They totally showed how it would look. It was great. But uh, what started as a rumor and then seems to have been substantiated by a large number of, of uh, sources, and I don't know, is that Brie Larson has been in negotiations to take that role right and that would be a total game changer that's like one that would be like one of those i mean marvel has done this several times and dc you know they've tried but you know you bring in certain types of actors not just oscar winners but you know there's certain actors that are uh, who are very skilled Mm -hmm. at playing a diverse uh Sort of array of characters and and using some subtlety and some complexity in their performances, not just being scenery chewing types yeah uh, she is that this generation's
0: it girl in that way right yeah i don't know if I've really seen her in much stuff actually really? yeah i i mean if if I have she hasn't made that much of an impact on me
1: you know the first time I saw her, she was in a uh she was in some indie film I saw where. I don't know. She was like a girlfriend or whatever, or she was like a a single mom or something in that film. It was some years ago, and I remember thinking, I don't like. Wait, Stranger Than Fiction? Maybe, maybe that's what it was with Will Ferrell. Mm, Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, she was. You know, whatever the film I saw, she was. You know, it was sort of a straight part. There was not a lot to it, and um, she reminded me of a of a of a poor film's Zoe Deschanel. Like she just didn't. She looked like Zoe Deschanel from from Elf when she had the blonde hair okay. and I was just like I couldn't get my I couldn't get out of that in my mind right? okay. so I, did, I didn't particularly like her and I and then I had read that she was a a a a theater and, and sort of new New York acting scene darling and I couldn't understand why. Hmm. And Then I didn't see any of the projects that she had done where she was getting great, better and better and better exposure and reviews for it. Right. I didn't see Room, which is what she got her Oscar on.
0: Right. And I've heard she's fantastic in that. I I
1: never got to her in Scott Pilgrim yet. Um,
0: I've seen that, but I don't remember her in it at all.
1: Yeah. But however, I was aware of her just in maybe press stuff or mm-hmm. like interviews or something weird. And then she hosted Saturday Night Live this year. Oh, OK. Following up, following on the room, you know, and she was extremely charismatic and she was stream- extremely confident and uh, she just had a real strong presence Hmm. And uh, she really impressed me. So then I was like, wow. This I remember thinking, wow, this is not what I thought that she was about at all. And then, like a week later, this stuff, you know, I start reading this stuff about Captain Marvel. Like, right. I don't know. Because maybe, you know, Katie Sackhoff, I like the look of it. hmm But... Well, and that's
0: why I was so pushing for that is that I, I like the idea of Captain Marvel being a buff Captain Marvel Somebody yeah. with some shoulders and some legs going on with some muscle. Sure, And sure. Brie, Brie Larson definitely that. thin. But, you know, these people aren't physically strong. They're super-powered. So that's not necessarily a, a requirement for her to fit the role.
1: Well, and, you know, I guess it doesn't quite follow based on what you just said. Um, you know, Chris Evans is very... Physically imposing, <laughs> yes, he constantly is. impressive. How much uh, blood doping he did, or whatever yeah. you know, the hormone that he used. I mean, he's very—he's just—you uh, cannot stop seeing his his sizzle chest. But Captain America is interesting because Chris Evans, his his acting in his face, right? Right. Charisma, what he brings to those scenes—that the, sort of the finer grain stuff—just like Robert Downey Jr. is, right? Mm-hmm. He can motor mouth it, you know, in the big Tony Stark scenes, but it's actually his his. His smaller reactions, which are most interesting. Yeah. To me now feels like the kind of actor that would bring that level of realism or or personality to a character like Captain Marvel, who like Ant-Man and some of these other ones, I suppose Iron Man, because he was an unknown to a lot of people when that came out. You know, I think they really need a strong, charismatic personality in the suit to sell a property like that in a feature film, particularly when. The weight is on them to really do it right because it's a female lead, right. right? A superhero film. So anyway, I'm optimistic about that as well.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about seeing a female-led movie, and you know, it comes out like 2019, and I don't think they have a. Do they have a director attached? I don't think they do. Not yet. They have
1: had a couple of names, but yeah, interesting. I don't know if and then we what? We have you have know, something else, right? There's another item. Is there?
0: Item. Item two.
1: Item. Sh- I- item two. Check it
0: out. Item two. Oh yes, that. You know, I honestly don't. I like. I'm aware of that, but I don't have any specific information about that one. So, Item. Yes.
1: Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition is coming to Blu-ray imminently. Right
0: now, is this the much taunted or touted? taunted <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rated <both. laughs> R version.
1: <laughs> touted and taunted. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it has some of the footage they chopped, like Batgirl, or okay. at least Barbara Gordon, anyway. Uh, Jenna Malone, and then also some other filler stuff that they had cut. You know, I at first I was laughing at this. I I was I'm not going to do it, and then I was thinking I only saw the movie once, and we are you know as much as we lambasted it in our discussion on Robot Dash Dash, Dash Kraken. Ha, you
0: did it too. You know, at <laughs> the very
1: at the very least, we were entertained by the film, and I thought you know I'd be up to see the Ultimate Edition. I don't care. I'll see the extra stuff. Yeah, I would watch
0: it. I'm I'm yeah. curious. Yeah.
1: I don't think I'm going to go out and buy it,
0: nah. but I
1: de- but I definitely watch it if I can get my hands on it, I think.
0: I'm sure we have some sort of scurvy, seafaring friends that can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> From a dispensary.
0: Yes. <laughs> I think that's all our news for this segment, right? I think so. Yeah, I think we have lots to talk about in the world of Westeros.
1: All right, let's do that. Let's do our Kraken review.
0: bum bum boom, 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 bum boom, 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 boom
1: i think you should make a sound effect for the intro to this review that's just a a super clip of all of the maesters mumbling <laughs> just 35 seconds of that and then we'd start the review it'd be great
0: oh no. yeah i thought you just wanted to use that instead of a review oh <laughs> that wasn't <also> work actually. <laughs> So I think what we'll do, instead of going episode by episode, we'll cover certain areas of Westeros and say, what happened in this area?
1: Well, so this is like a first time for us, like we talked about at the start yeah. of the episode. We're, we're compiling, and similar to what we did for like phase one, for example, or you know what we might do when looking at a trilogy of movies or something all at once. But in this case, not only are we reviewing or talking about more than one episode, we're also going to fuse them in the discussion. So we're yeah. going to hit each city, and talk about it a- across both episodes and what happened. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, let's do it. So let's, You're the expert.
0: Let's go ahead and start out with the ones that didn't have anything in both shows kind of thing. Which, oh, wait. wait, wait, wait. I have to ask you a question. Yes.
1: Have you enjoyed these two episodes, and did you enjoy one more than the other?
0: I liked both episodes. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Thank you, sir. I would say I liked parts of each episode a lot, mm-hmm. and I would say overall, the newest episode, episode seven, has probably been my preferred of the two.
1: It's interesting because you watched them again, or you watched the the last one again today, plus the most the current new one yeah. episode, right? And I only saw the last one last week, and then and then this one now. Uh, but my sense was that some of the criticism that we and others have had about this season about, you know, maybe you don't give us everything we want. Like Mm -hmm. they have so much ground to cover that they've just been throwing. It's the (laughs) dartboard, right? Throwing the dart at the map and then just hitting it. Rapid fire staccato, like going, you know, this is happening over here. And then this is happening over there. And it's the last several episodes have been that, that chock-a-block. Right. So long of having these episodes of two or three or four focused scenes They've seen very rushed because you just don't have – and even the cuts have been – haven't been very artful. It's been like there right. was a line cut scene. Now it's a tree and, and there you go. Yeah. I felt like this latest episode had – maybe it's because they spent longer in each of the areas they chose to mm-hmm. look at. But it had a lot more gravity yes. and intensity to it than the previous two or three or four. It seemed so much more s-
0: cohesive and yeah, and yeah it, was, it was a very watchable episode. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it.
1: I mean, it had each of these episodes have had standout scenes we talk about. Mm. But as a whole, this one felt more. It reminded me of some of the good episodes of Lost. Yeah. Where they're bouncing around two or three stories, but it felt like a whole package for an episode.
0: Yeah, totally. I agree.
1: Anyway. So, oh, and the oh, I guess the other thing I would say, since we're going to dive into individual cities summary, um, two other things about this most latest episode. Uh, the first thing is. Uh, I got the sense, looking at the well, – actually, this might have been the previous episode, but at some point between the two, I noticed <laughs> it seemed to me for the first time that the map was – we're looking at the inside of a sphere.
2: Mm-hmm. Has that
1: always been your impression, or is that a new thing? Um, Like an orbital, like you're in a space station. Like, you know, you're looking at the inside. The way they surface.
0: zoomed it, it's, it seems like they're they're zipping around the map in a different manner. And, yeah, it does seem a little more like it's – more concave, which is kind of weird, actually.
1: Because in the past, we never had that. It was always felt very flat to me, and I haven't mm-hmm. done a comparison or anything. But in my mind's eye, it was always flat. And in this, the one that made me you know, document this, um, it was very distinct. The curve in the... And it could have been a Cone of Vision thing. could have just mm-hmm. been some weird artifact of it. But it was very...
0: It seemed very deliberate to me, and that I don't know that kind of tripped me up. Well, and they're really covering a lot of ground now. There's so many different cities that they're zooming around to, yeah. and whereas before, in a lot of those episodes, they would hit like three cities, kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas here, they're like, well, we covered six, and we still didn't quite hit all of them. But Game of Thrones is on, dun dun yeah. da, da. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And
1: every se- and now six seasons in, I'm still super irritated at the the artifice of the. The lenses sliding into place to give you zoom oh, on nothing, right? And then, and then the stupid fake sun with the band of. I actually like that it. one.
0: Actually, I you know, like that. What is the?
1: If you're gonna do this virtual physical model, this really stylish, artful digital version of a physical model, and it mm-hmm. could have just been a physical model been even better. What purpose does it have to have this this stylized sun float overhead? Uh, why?
0: I don't understand that in the in because the narrative of that credit sequence. It's. A way to show the title? (laughs) Don't know. Well, okay.
1: The Latin, this most recent episode, when it was happening and I was grousing to myself about it, I was irritated at this opening sequence once again about the missed potential for being, being truly great. And I was thinking about that thing, and then I suddenly realized that I could be wrong. You're the expert. Isn't so, we have the Old Gods, mm-hmm. and then we have the Seven, right, which are not the Old Gods, right? Right. But we've seen increased focus on the Lord of Light. Right. So, I wonder if there's some connection between the Lord of Light and this fiery sun or star or it's whatever. It's possible, it yeah. It's it's most likely not at all. Happening I think that
0: it... Way. Well, and I think really it started out as an artifice to filled the introduction when they had so many less places to go. Yeah. And so they had that slow pan that kind of showed dragons and and stags fighting each other on the band there and that kind yeah. of thing. And I agree. If they'd made the sun like a clockwork sun and had it look a lot more like an artificial thing, it would have looked a lot cooler.
1: Well, I've been really interested ever since, I don't know when we started getting these incredible opening sequences. I remember... Uh, six feet under was amazing. And, you know, there were some, I associate it with cable, but these really excellent crafted intros. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, daredevil, I would never fast forward the daredevil intro because I just absolutely love the melting, the bloody red melting of wax, creating these different forms. You know, yeah, I love carnival was excellent in that yes. way. I mean, there was so many really great examples of that. But when I watch this one, I always, I love the model idea. And then I always want it to be I just I'm I'm trying to imagine the pitch room when they're the advertising the company that's doing this this intro and 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 pitching it to HBO is how they're proposing to do it that they didn't think that you could do the model whatever. And then you fade to black and then just have the Game of Thrones logo just slowly emerge with the sigils all around it Mm -hmm. sort of like glowing like, you know, there was just a hammer strike like an like a hot and you know, and then it's like it's there and then it fades out again that would tell you so much about the tone of the show right yeah absolutely there's nothing about the tone of the show that's conveyed by a by a digital sun wrapped with some sort of weird material thick material
0: band of sigils <laughs> and it's gold man <sighs> All right. Sorry. I'm off of it. Okay. So this was our our rant about Tom's hatred of the opening sequence. No, just that part of it. <laughs> Everything else about it I love. <laughs> Every little sound effect, you know, the thing goes chung, you know,
1: and then... Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Sorry. Right. Go ahead. All right. Let's do it.
0: So anyway... <laughs> Anyway, Tom. Whatever. <laughs> Imagine thing. how long that would have been if he'd hated the whole sequence, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. Oh, why yada. To... <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and just start with Daenerys and yeah. what happens over on that end, because we don't touch on her in the most recent episode. Okay. And let's start off with a big bang that kind of fell flat for me. I don't know about you. Okay. But it's uh, over in, well, Dothraki land. Sure. I'm not sure exactly where that is. She's off riding with her khalasar and tooting along and talking about how many boats they need and conveniently mentioning.
1: Tootin'. Yeah, yeah. There was some tooting going on. This is the Dothraki, but yeah. Yeah. are talking about the big speech, right? Yeah. So big. they were very specifically trying to echo the first season. Absolutely. They were trying to have her do... Uh, uh, Drogo's speech Right, it was her version of that sort of rallying cry
2: right
1: so it didn't work for you
0: uh, you know it, it was okay but like her little speech with Dario beforehand where she's like how many boats would I need and he's like yeah. you'd need 1000 boats just <laughs> like this one guy's building <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just seemed really awkward to me and you know yeah the yeah. only thing I really took away from it was that maybe it shows that she has a little more control over Drogo than she had prior to him taking off with her. Sure. But other than that, it was just a rah-rah speech that didn't really accomplish much because, I don't know, is Drogo, like, chilling with them now and walking alongside them? Because they I had, know. like, a week's walk ahead of them uh, still. No,
1: really. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the, the morality the morale issue of her circling around up ahead, that dragon's going to Right. If you poos on them, they'll probably kill a horse. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, my sense when I was watching it was it was a matter of um, it kind of made me have it gave me a first draft vibe. Like I thought they needed to condense this and her fire scene from the previous episode. Yes. She needed to come out of the flames. Everyone is like, oh, and then the dragon comes in over this whole thing. That mm. dragon has been circling or watching and didn't even circ- didn't even intervene. Because yeah. it sensed she was in charge. And she comes out of the fiery hut, and everyone drops to their knees. And then the dragon bursts from ahead. Oh, wouldn't that have been amazing? Lands just behind her,
0: explodes into the hut. The hut just,
1: explodes it the just hut, disintegrates. The hut. Yeah, right. Showers of sparks and things, and hot oil getting all the people in the front. You know, fuck yeah. them. And then hold on. <laughs> double, double strikes for rude language. And Thoth then Rocky
0: exclamation! Aye! And, then,
1: and then, and then she just does a short and sweet version of that speech. You know. I own you. This is what we're going to do. You're going to follow me. That's the end of it. And then we're off. Yeah. This was like, we did this. Everyone's following me. And now let's stop and have a. Right. And maybe it's because I'm so exhausted by the, uh, our American election cycle right now and and the stumps. (laughs) I don't want to hear stump speeches from anyone about anything, but I didn't want a stump speech from Daenerys. At this point, I don't want her to talk about how important she is and what she intends to do. I just want her to do it. Yeah.
0: So that. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Like, okay, let's do this. And then she climbs down off of Drogo and she's like, go Drogo. We'll get you when we need you. Follow us kind of thing. Yeah, right. And yeah. then gets back on her horse and continues trotting. Yeah, it it's was just a, silly. Yeah. yeah I so, so I thought we'd get that one out of the way first because that's really the only thing in these two episodes that happened overseas in that area.
1: But the dragon still looked awesome. The dragon looked amazing. It's I still look- my favorite. Uh, you know, sort of movie dragon. Yeah, movie absolutely.
0: dragon. Aside from it's Sean Connery, maybe no.
2: Just I was <laughs> gonna say no. I was
0: gonna say Dragon Slayer is still was
1: my previous. Dragon favorite.
0: Slayer was solid, and to be honest, I've always had a soft spot for the Sleeping Beauty animated dragon. Oh sure, okay, because that yeah. one's pretty badass. But oh, yeah. this one's design is
1: amazing. I oh, just all the details And that oh, one. Yeah, in, in uh, the previous episode or whichever it was, where he was laying waste to people, and you saw the 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 glands in his yeah. jaw where the fire comes out of and 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 previously when uh, Tyrion was in the the bowels of the of that that room or whatever where the other two dragons are being kept and you see them like f- sort of it's like pilot, yeah. like, just, like throbbing <laughs> like they're just like, so
0: great.
2: sort of
1: just this deep throbbing of heat coming off of their their mouths oh, I just love it and it's so great, great. practical concept for a practical uh uh explanation for fire breathing right yeah
0: absolutely yeah so, okay so that was that that was dothraki land. so then i think we should move to you know what let's let's go ahead and go to king's landing wait wait so wait, wait hold on so w-
1: was was the exchange about the grayscale her discovering the grayscale was that two episodes ago that was that the previous yeah that was okay. that was i'm
0: still smart on their way home from yeah
1: I command you to go yes. heal yourself and then come join me. Okay,
0: I'll, I'll yeah, get right go on Go solve it. this mystery of some sort. And I love you in a, in your own way, Grandpa. And he's like, yeah. I love you too. I'm off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now everybody, no one will mess with me because I got, I was
0: told to do this. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, so that no. was the previous episode.
1: Should we talk about? On Game, on
0: Game of Thrones.
1: Should we talk about Marine before we get out of here? Because didn't we have a Marine episode in the in the in the earlier epi- uh, marine scene in last episode or no no we did not okay no. we're done we solved it we talked about it
0: <laughs> you should have reviewed these episodes I really should have <laughs> I've, been a busy. I've,
1: been, I've been fuming over sun, sun logos in opening credits
0: for days and I couldn't get my head up do my homework. I didn't do my homework someone's gonna correct us now and be like yes there was Tom was yes. right I'll be like, no he wasn't fuck off
1: <laughs> and instantly, we will be at two hundred or uh, three
0: hundred twenty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine fans. <laughs> all right. So, King's Landing. King's Landing. Lots of happenings. Jism crow. Yeah. Whole crap tons and all sorts of machinations and backstabbings and back and forth things. Um. Right. So the previous episode, episode six. Not a lot happens. Mostly, it's just. Talk about things that they want to do or they should do kind of thing. This is this you're talking
1: about Cersei and the yeah. the, the simmering rebellion too. Yes. The High Sparrow. Where
0: she makes her kind of semi half assed attempt to get the Tyrells on her side so that they can rescue everyone and make everyone free.
1: Well, this is where she rallied this was where she rallied them and said, We're gonna invade. Right. We're gonna take out the, the sparrows. You uncle step down or that was actually the previous one, right? Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, that was the but, previous episode. Was, <laughs> so, but in the la- but the in the end of the first of the two episodes we're talking about tonight, which mm-hmm. are they? Uh, episodes 5 and 6 or 6 and 7? 6 and 7. All right, so the end of episode 6 was the big the the walk of shame, right?
0: Uh yeah, that was actually this episode. But
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. The first of the two that we're talking about today. Yes. They were it was all Sturm and drang about how they're going right. to rally the army, and they're going to come, and they're going to seize King's Landing, and they're going to f- the end the Red Keep, and they're going to free uh, Marjorie, as well as you know, flush out the Sparrows and everything else. Right, you get to that big money shot at the end, and it's a and they got completely flanked. And, yes, and played in a really once again a very 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 clever way.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really well done. I loved the way Jamie. They shot that whole thing. I liked that they had Tyrell give his rah-rah speech and it kind of just fell flat where his soldiers are just like, whatever, dude, let's get <laughs> going. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was really struck by the, there was some framing shots where you see the King's Guard not the King's Guard, right? I guess it isn't. Yeah. Was the it the, the Tyrell Kingsguard? army? Yeah. It's the and Tyrell the, army. Yeah all lined up da, 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 and then you see the sea of people behind them yeah you realize that man if this you're you're looking at this like oh uh, okay just in it, it's sort of the zombie thing right like yeah. i don't care what weapons you have they're gonna climb on top of you
0: this could go ugly real quick
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it it called to mind a lot of the stuff for marine right it's yeah. a small occupational force a lot of civilians. It had that same sort of look and also in tight
0: quarters, right? Right. Well, and it was interesting the way they kind of played off, you know, like... Uh, I just totally forgot the queen's name.
1: Uh, oh, Marjorie.
0: Marjorie. Um, the way they played her, like, previous episodes where she went and visited the poor people and made herself kind of a person to them. Mm-hmm. So that they actually care about her a lot more than they ever did Cersei. They don't hate her the way they hated her.
1: And yet all this rhetoric that she's feeding them about how she didn't really ever care for them, it was all an act, but now right. she's genuine. You no, know, it's very interesting because there is the very specifically the thing that has engendered her with the people mm-hmm. is that touch. Is yeah. that thing that she would go and help the poor. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And her conversations with the High Sparrow were really good. There was a lot of little sly back and forths there that I really enjoyed.
1: It's creepy that in the in, so it was six and seven? Yeah. Right? So in six, so in in five is when she got a hold of, she saw Loras. When she went and, and he, talked to her brother. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, ah, and she's like, we got to be strong. And, blah, 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 blah. and she's right. like, okay. <laughs> all right, we're beyond that. This is not going to work. He's he's gonna, she's instantly had sized up and like he's gonna he's gonna break. Right. There he he has already broken. Yeah. He said everything he possibly could to them, and they're not satisfied. Meaning they have their sights on everybody else now. Exactly it's not really about him. And so next thing you know, she's playing ball, and in the begin and and all throughout that episode, you're thinking, okay, she's gaming them. Right. right. She's. she's She's switched. She's being really focused on it. They probably tested her and she's acting genuine. And then as you get into seven and she and oh, so at the end, the big reveal at the end of six. Right. She brings the king out and the king has been converted. And, you know, there's this great church and state fusion thing. And he's the king has basically endorsed the sparrows. Right. And as the religion of the king's landing
0: hastily welded new symbols on the front of all his king's guards.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was so <laughs>
1: shocking. And and how it instantly neutered all the plans. To, to purge them because now the right. king has them. So now what are they supposed to do? Certainly there have been elements, there have been many times in what we've watched of Game of Thrones where a king has been undermined by the power structure behind them in the same right. way I
2: imagine you
1: know, presidents are undermined by the neocon shadow cabinets behind them. That's a <laughs> reference to Bush and Reagan. Okay, so the point is, here though, we haven't had a full-on just public disregard for the king since the mad king. Right. But she's not about to, you know, they were instantly neutered. Right. And now in, in episode seven, you're expecting her to be. You know, commiserating and being like, "Okay, here's the thing. Here's the big scam I'm pulling," mm-hmm. and yet she's full, fully committed to the scam. Yeah, she's, she's reading the text and she's just hanging out in the sep the whole time. And
0: oh man, that scene though between her and the sparrow, where the sparrow shows a little bit of his darker hand uh-huh. in that discussion about the how she needs to the pleasure's not on her end of things. She just needs to get it over with and. Yep. And there's just some some really sly conversation in episode seven between her and the High Sparrow that really shows that he has a little bit of a darker side than they've shown previously.
1: Well, yeah, he's he's looking at, um, I think he's looking at it that they've they've converted or gotten a hold of this king, mm-hmm. who's very um, who they can sway, right but may not always be able to sway.
2: Right.
1: get an heir and he can get an heir in the context of their, them being established and him, you know, playing ball.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that's going to be the best, uh, hostage they could possibly have. Yes. Right?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: King, we're going to take your young heir and train them in the ways of the,
0: you know, whatever Yeah. It is. you can indoctrinate Bog- him into the, the right. seven and right. right
2: yeah.
1: Right. Um, also, so my first thinking was when he he uh, leveraged that threat about her grandmother, mm-hmm. he was just merely saying, you know, she's she's next and we can use you to help her repent, like at face value. Right. And then when you see her, of course, you see her face and then you see her maneuvering to try to get her grandmother to leave town. Right. Then I started realizing, actually, I think that that was his plan. Right. I think so. To get her. Because also her Minder, that woman, that's her Minder, is yes. there watching the whole thing. And just because she's kind of hiding it doesn't mean, you know, Minder can still see her grandmother's face like, what? Right. No, what? <laughs> you know. So I feel like the Sparrow was basically telling her that so that she would then in turn tell her grandmother to leave mm-hmm. because if her grandmother leaves, the army leaves.
0: Which is a smart move on. Well, not necessarily because her dad's still there. But know, the sparrow she,
1: drives the dad.
0: She does. And the sparrow knows that the dad's completely harmless and neutered. Where... She was the power behind the Tyrell Right. against the sparrows. Yes. And, and this is a,
1: a, a bloodless way of getting rid of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he needs Elena out of there because he doesn't want her influence on Marjorie. And he doesn't want her strength influencing Marjorie either. But what? by the same token, I don't think getting uh, Lena out of town was necessarily a bad move on their end either because she yeah. could have been in some real actual danger in terms oh, of absolutely. that.
1: Uh, and, you know, this show has not been kind to older slow-moving targets any more than it's been to so you know, quick-witted fast targets, right? Right. Um, so also there was a pair of really great performances here. Her interaction with Cersei was amazing.
2: Yeah, whole thing
1: where like we've lost, they've won I gotta leave, screw you, I'm out of here and also, the only thing that gives me pleasure is knowing that you set this whole thing up by accident, and you you are so screwed and you did it no yeah. one did it to you, you did it so at least I have that, that sort of weird, bitter satisfaction, cynical satisfaction it's such, very
0: consistent with her character it but I love absolutely it. is, yeah, it was just such a great way of doing that
1: and we haven't had many occasions where we saw Cersei um Without footing, right? And she was right. just like, you
0: know, like she just was like, she
1: could barely even, she, she could not even, right? Right. And then similarly, that little sequence with Marjorie, Marjorie, where she's like, you know, no, no, go, mm-hmm. whatever, and then hands her the paper. And then she opens up the paper and it's the, and I guess that is the house, Tyrell. Right. Tyrell's oh, right? So symbol
0: is the rose. You're right. right. Yeah. So she's, he's the knight of roses. And yeah.
1: yeah. So she's messaging that she's still she's broadcasting to her grandmother that she's still right, her
0: allegiance. And yet, at the same time, that was a really clever way of doing it because why wouldn't she be drawing a rose? That's her house sigil. So, right, yeah. Right, right. But yes. I mean, it was a
1: very clever way. Of, it was a really neat... Um, you know, this is a show where they send crows here here, and there and then they have these messages with the seal and, you know, you could always intercept it. People right. have intercepted messages on the show before, obviously. People have even admitted it. They're like, well, we read it. I had to check it. Here we go. <laughs> right.
0: Sorry about the broken
1: wax, right? But here's one where they could be intercepted and there's no ma- there's no data there.
0: Right. Yeah, I thought that was really smart, actually. I liked that. I was like, oh, man, are they going to have her read this out loud? Because it seems silly that she'd do that. And then they just showed that it was a rose. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. That makes so much more sense than having an actual note to her.
1: I will say that Alina doing that look to the left look to the right ah! yeah that was courtyard, courtyard, not subtle that was about as that was about as good as in <laughs> the previous uh you know two episodes ago when uh daenerys's uh, uh, rescuer
2: would be rescuers were like right doing the, this one. i'm going to highlight
1: that one cronk going through be the city you. it's a radial <laughs> plan
0: there's no possible way that there's someone behind us right <laughs> So I, mean, so I think tropes. that was the most of King's Landing. Like they didn't oh wait, no. After that all happens, then the little boy king sends oh. his his funkle or that his, his scene. Yeah, his uncle dad to leave town. Just takes him out of the King's Guard and is like you need yeah. to go away.
1: Well, that's a really interesting plot element, because on the one hand, as Jamie was saying, he's trying to send me away, mm-hmm. which means you will be defenseless. Right. To be with you. But on the other hand, Cersei is gambling again. She's saying, first of all, if you resist, what's the point? But right. second of all, if you go do this, just go, you know, inspire the troops, mm-hmm. take command, and now you will have command of the army. Right. So you can come back with the army.
2: Yeah. Right now, you
1: technically don't have the army. Yeah. You're in the King's Guard, you don't have the you're not commanding the army. So go and command it and then come back and Right. And, and be ready to leverage that against the King. Making him the so,
0: general of the Lannister army again gives yeah, them that was, way more power than he had in the, the King's Guard.
1: It was almost an inversion of when Cersei inadvertently made you know, she opened the door and let the, the sparrows in. <laughs> right. So now she is you know, she's 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 positioning Jamie in a, in in a way it's sort of like it's it is the inverse of the previous decision. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Although in the most recent episode and the segues from King's Landing to outside of it mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't go as planned. Right. And it was really really re- mesmerizing to watch. So but we can get to that when you're
0: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think why don't we move on to the phrase and the blackfish and what happened in that part of the country?
1: I saw the first 4 seasons, I think 4 seasons free based them like all at once right mm-hmm. on and i was just in my whirlwind of catching up with game of thrones and just like, <laughs> i couldn't stop i was completely you know just like battlestar galactica was for me. right every night and uh so one of the things that was murky to me was some of the the some of the people and some of the plot line in the north as far as who was betraying who because having not read the books in the earlier seasons, it wasn't quite as clear. They weren't being very well. It wasn't as well drawn. Right. As it is now. Right. Right. Absolutely. There's so few factions now. Everyone is pretty much in lined up. Right. And now they're trying to chip away at things. And so, so I I didn't have a strong sense of how some of these Northern families operated. So I couldn't visualize the blackfish. I don't know that we ever saw him. We We did. We did. He was
0: there. Um, he is Catelyn's eldest brother, I believe, yeah, Right. and he was at the funeral when her father died. Oh, okay. He was standing by when the incompetent son was trying – or actually – my bad. I actually, I think she, he is Catelyn's uncle. Uncle, right. uncle. That's what. I and mean. he stood there and watched the incompetent brother try to light the the dad's funeral pyre on fire and missed with the arrows. He was standing there during that, and right. then he steps out just before the red wedding, and right. like scuttles. He's just like, "Fuck, peace out." Kind and of. They thing. referenced that in this last one. You right. let him
1: escape. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be relying on your. Your savvy expertise in all things Game <laughs> of Thrones to explain some of this because in the previous one, Frey calls the boys up and says right. you need to go back and take take Blackfish's castle. Right. This is bull. You need to take it, and he's got two sons. Sons?
0: Um, I'm sure they're sons. He has like twelve wives and yeah. countless, countless sons all and lumpy. daughters. Right. Yeah, weird, young, and lumpy. So. Mm-hmm. But of these two, were each of these two? Those two uh, were both at the red wedding. They, and were, they, were, they, were,
1: they were knife wielders, right at the red okay, wedding.
0: One of them was the one that stabbed the unborn, the the pregnant wife, <laughs> and the other one was the one that slit the throat of. Okay, so neither Catlin. one, neither one, was the son
1: that was getting married. Correct, or the, or the daughter? It was the oh, daughter.
0: No. It was the phrase daughter. And the Blackfish's nephew that got married at the Red Wedding, right?
1: And didn't and what it remind me in the Red Wedding what happened after? So they do the they do the ambush and kill everybody. So what happens in the marriage room? Like, did they come out and kill that guy too? Or they was don't he,
0: show what happens. Like like they they send him off to to bed his new wife, right. and he goes upstairs. And as far as we know from Prior to these episodes, we assume he was killed, too, but they don't show anything. And then in these episodes, they're like, oh, yeah, we captured him and we've been holding him hostage this whole time.
1: So that's what they've said?
0: Yeah, they mentioned it like really in passing at one point in one of these two episodes.
1: So, okay, so so these two brothers. So what was the significance of him saying, go out, you two go out and recapture
0: well, see, that's kind of interesting to me because basically one of the conditions of them doing the whole Red Wedding thing was that the phrase would get the castle, the the Blackfish's uh, river run castle. Right. And apparently... Even though it was gifted to them, Frey decided to stay in his ancestral home and hang out in his dank castle with his seventy four underage wives mm. and sent his two incompetent sons to man the castle at river run and right. So I'm assuming it didn't take much for for the blackfish to use some backward, sneaky way of getting into the castle and taking it back over, but they kind of gloss over that
1: right, so he sends them both to go
0: take it back,
1: take it back. So when so when Jamie shows up, and we see the siege, the, this half-ass siege. Yeah,
0: what? extremely half-assed. So is that the phrase siege? Those are the phrase sieging River Run. Yeah,
1: okay. and it's lovely that they marched right out They march. The yeah, march, the 20, they didn't 20, have any or guards or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like a good thing we're friends, you know. So so then, um, what got me really confused was. They had Black – they had an an, an heir or some sort of family member of Blackfish in a noose saying, we're going to kill him unless you lower the drawbridge or whatever. But he looked just like the brother, (laughs) one of the two guys the phrase sent.
0: He did. Uh, He was the one – He was the nephew that got married at the Red Wedding. He is. He's the one that they had been holding captive this entire time. And they revealed him at the end of episode five, and they're like, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, who's that guy? We haven't seen him for three seasons.
1: And what do they say at the end of episode five? What do they reveal?
0: Um, uh, they, they just they bring him out and say his name, and that oh. they'll use him as bait kind of thing or threaten to kill him. I see. And so, I mean, really, that was the extent of the phrase plan was just like, well, we'll kill your nephew if you don't give us our castle back. Got it.
1: Okay. So it's just a weird coincidence that he looks so much like one of the brothers. Yeah, yeah. Because I found that really confusing. Okay, all right. So, okay, that explains that. Okay, so...
0: And the Blackfish is just like, meh, I know you're not going to kill him. He's the That's only really chip amazing. you have.
1: <laughs> but what I loved about that scene was, you know, Jamie has been... He has been coasting on... Not coasting, but he, you know, he has been enjoying the status of his family yes and his reputation yeah for years yeah and the king and the, the oath breaker and all that stuff is a big deal but then the bottom line is you know it was always that he was the greatest fighter in western right of thing. and now he's not because he lost his hand and all that and so he's still you know he's riding on on reputation more than his current skills right, right? And so that's all dependent. It's just like anything. It's like you know, people will. It's like the king that leads only because the people allow him to lead. Right. So you know, here, here he goes does the parley, and and and, and uh, Blackfish is like, I just wanted to get the measure of you, and now I'm disappointed. And he has to walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: By the same token, though, I was impressed to finally see Jamie, like in a general or in a militaristic status type thing where he actually takes control of the army and that that part was really nice to see. I liked seeing him not just, Oh, I'm a fancy swordsman. That's super rich. I'm also someone who's been trained to know military stuff and that kind of thing.
1: Yes. And, and also there was, it, it was great to see the huge difference in culture and experience in financial status between this, captain of the army or whatever general of the army mm-hmm. lannister who bathes in gold melted <laughs> right. gold or whatever and the phrase who are just basically slopping around in like, <laughs> right everything smells like mildew you know <laughs> like, it's just really great how different yeah they in. and i was really enjoying because i love the costuming in this oh in my this god show. this scene
0: in particular had amazing stuff all
1: those focus those focus shots behind him, and you see yeah. the way the armor is, hold, is all sort of lashed together. It looks so and
0: the, cool. The lions that are integrated all over the place. Oh yeah! And this is easily the best armor he's had on the entire show. Yeah. And He's had yeah. some amazing outfits, and I found myself really fascinated by the blackfish's like yeah. janky scale mail he was wearing too. I thought sure, that was yeah. really cool. It looked like fish scales, which it I really thought was did.
1: really cool. So, Blackfish, so help me understand where he falls in the clans. What family is he?
0: He is a Tully. Okay. Um, he's Catelyn's father's Uncle. younger brother. Right, okay. So he doesn't, like, he didn't get river run, so he's like, like he's a duke kind of thing of that area. Sure. But he doesn't have any, like, land or... Claim necessarily, but because... he is the
1: one before the red wedding. He's the one that Caitlin was always or Caitlyn, sorry, was was very soft with, like, yeah, he was always, super like affectionate, or like a with father figure, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and so, what's the status currently with the Tullys in the north? Are they aligned with anybody who's leading them right now? Is uh, it for the
0: most part, the Tullys are dead, they almost all died at the red wedding, so. But who he has in that castle right now is basically the army they have.
1: Who were the Tullys that died
0: in the Red Wedding? Um, well, okay, so Catelyn's father died prior to the Red Wedding, right? Then they had the entire group of like I think if I remember right, uh, Catelyn's grandfather had two kids. She he had the Blackfish and Catelyn's father. Okay, and then. She has the one brother who is still there and is the captive that they're threatening to hang or slit his throat or whatever. That's Catelyn's brother? That's Catelyn's brother, to the best of my knowledge. Okay. I'm not 100% sure on that. I don't have my, okay. my tome in front of me. Still doesn't matter, but um, I'll take it. Sure. And then, the, I, to my understanding, Blackfish doesn't have any kids. So, like, all the aunts and uncles were all murdered at the wedding. So all that's left of the Tully line that's directly associated is that one brother and the Blackfish. So
1: the Tullys were all at the Red Wedding because there weren't that many more Starks? and well, as a Tully. Right. And the, after, right. Before she was a Stark. Okay. Well,
0: and it was a Tully wedding. I mean, it was okay. it was the heir to Riverrun getting married to uh, the Frey girl. So, well, all the Tullies came out in force for that wedding. But
1: it was supposed to be Rob Stark doing it and then he reneged, right? Yeah, he
0: went off and married the Battleground doctor girl.
1: Right, right. right. So, this was the compromise rep- the compromise proposed to Frey. Right to save face, but here you can marry a Tully and everything else. So you'll still get what you wanted, which is the, with the binding River of the Run houses. And, the yeah. yeah. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Got it. All right. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I love it. I love that you, I have you as a resource because I haven't read the books and it's, and I, and I get it from watching the show. I, I mean, I understand all the implications, but some of the details, I'm like, well, "Wait a minute!" Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah, especially when they're bringing back characters from season three or two that they haven't mentioned at all prior to
1: this, <laughs> or a really standout character from season five, which we'll talk right. about. Soon. Yes.
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay, so that was that. All yeah, right. that's pretty much everything that happened also, at River Run. Also,
1: I'm sorry, since we're since Game of Thrones is still the sort of medieval. It's Middle Ages, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's beyond medieval, but it's not, you know, it's, right. know, it's somewhere in there, right? They have pulleys, so, but not right, steam right.
0: engines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I loved all the details to, about siege stuff. They're talking about trebuchets yeah. and firing up all the siege engines and everything. And then I loved, because I've always been fascinated by this, the how you know our generation growing up on fantasy books and mm-hmm. playing Dungeons and Dragons, whatever else. So we have no sense of scale for how some of this fairly primitive mechanical equipment would work. I've always wondered about things like the realistic rate of opening or closing a drawbridge. Oh yeah, that was great. The really show, how much work was going into this, like, dud, 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 dud. Yeah. How it lifted after the blackfish walked away and it. <laughs> and, and Jamie was like right on the edge of it. It's like, it Jun, starts to move as he just steps back. You know? Yeah. That was just such a great shot. You see all the weights, all the counterweights and stuff to hold the drawbridge and the in place. Thick, yeah. crazy
0: chains. Yeah, that was really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like all those details. So, all right. So, uh, where do you want to go next?
0: Let's move to let's do Old Town next. All right, Old Town. Old Town, USA. No, no. <laughs> so, Old Town is Sam and Gilly, and mm. we Sam. We Sam. We Sam.
1: What a what a painful...
0: Oh, man, that is an awesomely awkward situation there with them.
1: It was a painful scene with a lot of payoff.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really good. So Sam is headed back to Old Town, which is his family holdings with Gilly, hoping to drop off Gilly and the baby and then head off to... Uh, I don't have a clue what the name of the place where the Maester's Tower is, but Maesterville, right. USA. <laughs> and it's, I, I thought it was really great the lead up to it where he talks about how gorgeous old town is and how pretty the area is. And, <laughs> but there's this, this sense of trepidation at the same time.
1: You talk when you're nervous, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, I really like that. And I, I really love those two's interaction. I think they they just play off each other really well. That
1: whole thing between the leading up to going to see his father and then how she talks back to the father mm-hmm. and then how she supports him afterwards, It's an inter- it's such an interesting thing. I mean, they've done a lot to show that there are valid... And interesting people in the wildlings, just so there are valid and interesting people in the West. Yeah. And, then, and there are a bunch of scumbags in the wildlings and a bunch of scumbags in the West. And, of course, none of it, you know, there's no black or white to it. Right. But she was always shown as uneducated and fair. She has that sort of, I mean, I'm sorry. I've seen that actress when she's not in that persona. <laughs> and she's pretty. Oh, my gosh. She's it's... pretty enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they definitely have her presented with the teeth and everything, you know, very simple, not educated. And he has been he has been educating her. Right. And yet, you know, that she's going into the worst lion's den in this whole thing. Oh, yeah. She's super
0: headstrong, and
1: and then she's in the dress and she doesn't know any of the mannerisms. She doesn't know how to cut a thing with a knife and, you know, (laughs) all that stuff, which is great. And yet, instead of wilting away from it. Right. She's like, I don't all of this. I don't have any. I don't have any awe right being in this noble house because it's all artifice to me. Absolutely, from the north, this is all you're playing dress up.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they don't brook any shit up north. They don't. They no. speak their mind. They don't have this this nonsense rules about who can and can't talk when they do. And I thought the the opening scene where they arrive in his home. And it's the mom and the sister, and they're super yes. friendly and outgoing and everything. And you can see Gilly's face where she's just like, "These people aren't nearly as bad as he's making them out to be." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, then dad and bro show up, and <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, that was great. And so then when the dad comes and they did some great casting here. Yeah, really Because He was a son of a bitch from A to Z. Like, you could not... Yeah. I could barely tolerate seeing him. He was so nasty.
0: Yeah, he was just such a dick in every capacity. And I really liked the way they showed how utterly inept and unknowledgeable Sam is about hunting and that kind of thing where he's like, is this the venison you caught today? (laughs) (laughs) It's like none of those words work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then also I just love
1: that, that he's, he's of course, not only has he been, not only has he been uh, sort of shamed out of the family and forced to renounce his, stuff and all this because his dad's being a dick for no reason. Right. And he is the rightful heir. Right. And he was all been forced out because his younger brother is
0: fitter. It's charming. <laughs> right. Charming.
2: Right.
1: What a weird weird, awkward, surreal family dynamic.
2: Yeah. All of all this stuff
1: about um, you know, siblings having competition with each other because the parents like this one or that one best or so so they believe in all this. Well, here's... It's not even a speculation. Yeah. This one looks like a prince and you don't, so you're out.
0: And I really liked uh, the mother's interaction with everybody too, the way that she stood up to the father and she was like, that's enough kind of thing. And he literally, he knows that there will be no living with her if he doesn't act willing to take in Gilly and the baby. But that's the only reason he's doing it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was... liked. What? What's that?
1: No, no, I mean, go ahead. Keep going.
0: I just, I really liked that scene. I thought it was really surprisingly fun to watch. I didn't think that him sitting around a table with his dick of a dad would be that interesting. But I thought they did a good job.
1: Well, and, it, and then another thing about it that I thought was interesting is because she was sort of like, why are you letting him talk that way to you? And he was, like, saying, well, you know, certainly he was overwhelmed by the, mm-hmm. the the emotional issues of it. But also he was like the whole point here was not to prove his dad wrong or to stand up for himself or right. do anything. His whole reason for being there was to get her secured yeah. with some, some safe uh, stewardship so that he can go off and be a maester because he wouldn't be able to do both. Right. So he, he had... was basically eating shit. Excuse me. Hold on. In order to. Secure her a place,
2: right? He had nothing to
0: prove. He didn't feel like he needed to defend himself in any way. He was just trying to get through that awkward ass dinner so that she would be safe and have somewhere to be. And of course, that all went to crap. But <laughs> well, and,
1: and and bully stuff is so always terrible to watch. Mm-hmm. And to be bullied by your own father. I mean, it was yeah. just it was like a steward. It was like a schoolyard bully. Situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then his vitriol. I love. I, I don't know. I think it's really realistic and interesting how these Northerners have this, uh, you know, they have this 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 deeply rooted hatred for the wildlings mm-hmm. that is beyond what they themselves have experienced. But it's what they've been taught. Right. And it's like what we see. It's like the the anal- the it's analogous to the stuff we see in our world. Right. Where right. people are absolutely convinced that this or that ethnic group or a country or whatever must be this vilified. Right. Right, subhuman thing because <clears> that's what they were taught, and that's what their parents were taught, and you know, it's and, and and people were killed in the war, so therefore you can never, you can never allow in your mindset that they were that, that they have the complexity of being real humans, exactly. Right? And uh, I
0: don't know, I thought that was really fascinating. Well, the other How, thing that I sorry, uh, no, no,
1: no, it, and it happens again when the Starks are are trying to secure. Uh, right troops for their army as they get that resistance because of the wildlings which is great
0: right well and this was a, a the other thing i really liked about this scene in particular was how much it drove home the fact that to people living in that area winter and white walkers is just a total myth right and i really liked the way the brother was like those don't exist you're full of crap kind of thing
1: yes yes and, you know, it's like this is a this is a this is a world where there's no way of having that kind of evidence. Right. They don't have any artifacts that they can bring back and say, look at this glowing blue sword or whatever that I found. you Right. Know, this proves it. It's all about what you've seen. And then when you relay that information, to whether people believe it.
0: Yeah. You can't whip out your iPhone and be like, see right. the video. <laughs> right.
1: And, you know, and we and we get this false sense of security as viewers because we're shown all this stuff. And to us, there's no question that the White Walkers exist right. and that it's they're all in, in imminent peril but it's interesting that you know it's sort of like B-movies when someone's running around screaming I'm telling you there's a serial killer and he's like standing there with like, <laughs> a machete and someone's like I don't believe you All right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know I think I, I, I found it I found I find these interactions immensely satisfying because either way it's going to be um, engaging if they align with the Starks yeah. then you're like yeah you know loyalty and then if they don't align with the Starks because you know it's you know it's, reasons, it's, it's, right? <laughs> then you know then then we get to see this 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 whole thing about uh about these these centuries old hatred of these nomads, right? I mean, you know, going back to the European thing. These are the Vikings or the Visigoths or
0: whatever, right? Right. right. No love lost. Well, and I thought it was interesting they revealed. That there's another sword, Valerian steel weapon, that is now in the position of Mr. Sam Tarly. Oh, it's in his his possession? In his possession.
1: He took the position of putting it in his
0: possession. Yes, the position possession. Well, that whole thing where he came back and was like, nope.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, that was so satisfying. But where
0: are they going to go is my question. Yeah. Is he going to try and smuggle her into the Maester's Tower?
1: (laughs) Good point. I don't
0: know. So I don't know, I'm hoping he's still going to head that direction, because if anyone's going to believe him and actually give him the information they need, it's the Maesters. But I don't know what he's going to do with Gilly and the baby now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's un- and also, to be fair, it's unfortunate because I really liked his mom and sister. I did too. They were very sympathetic-seeming.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious to see if that's the only time we see them or not. So that was it over there in Old Town, I think.
1: Well, so he's on his way out and yeah. um, and he's 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 been emboldened by standing up to his father and he's stolen the family sword, which is technically his <laughs> by right, which also happens to be one of the few things that can kill a white walker.
0: Yes. Important plot points. Plot points. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was great. Uh, let's see what else what where's my list here? So, let's see here. We've tackled Old Town. We've tackled Dothraki Town we've tackled king's landing we've covered river run and the Frays. so all we really have left we've got north of the wall north of the wall we have bravos with arya and, and we have the
1: St- and the starks attempt to rally
0: right people to them we've got the starks and we have a little bit of action going on in a valley somewhere all right. So let's let's go into the Starks. Let's let's okay. find out what John and and Sansa have been up to.
1: That's been a really interesting.
0: It was fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed it, but at the same time it felt a little bit like a montage.
1: It did, but at the same <laughs> time I like that um, I like when things don't go according to plan. Yeah. And it's interesting that it's not working out as they had hoped. And they knew it was a lo- a long shot. Right. But it's interesting that it's not going as easy as they had hoped. For a couple of different reasons. For different reasons in each case, right?
0: Yeah, they're cruising around trying to see if the North remembers and if they'll join them in their quest to take back Winterfell. And they hit... I honestly don't remember all the house's names that they hit, yeah. but the, the real important one is the Mormonts.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. And in the after show, the, like behind the... You know, the fairly useless behind the scenes thing that they do. Um, They showed the reference to Stannis saying, like, I've got a letter from, you know. Right. I'm getting bitched out by, can you believe this, a 10-year-old that's running this house? (laughs) Do you know who she is? Um, So on the basis of that, they managed to cast and film one of the most memorable characters in game of thrones that ever. girl was
0: amazing She's i amazing. loved it i loved her different interactions with the three different envoys uh, it was so good
1: well it was also <laughs> great because it once again legitimized davos like yes. he's so honest but also he he saw exactly he saw the angle you
0: only know? someone that could had spent that time with shireen and dealing with stannis at the same time right. could have dealt with her the way he did
1: Oh, it was amazing and it like in one day my facebook feed is filled with uh marmon for president you know <laughs> <laughs> like, <yeah>. that's awesome <laughs> well like you were saying like you know if your soldiers if your 62 soldiers or 63 soldiers are as fierce as you are
2: then right. you know
1: they'll be well worth it kind of thing and i thought that was really great
2: yeah
0: she,
1: that actress that young actress was just i mean she just <laughs> owns the scene it was
0: so hilarious was so yeah <laughs> i love that scene the the scene where the other guys like meh was pretty boring honestly it's i mean it showed that there were some houses in the north that were not supporting them but well, it was it, but,
1: but it was good because it pointed out that oh and by the way the last time we followed our our pat our our uh, our oath and supported the house um you led us to a wedding where we were all butchered things. Right. And you want us to now support, how come no one's coming to support us?
0: Right. <laughs> right. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it was just another perspective on it. We've right. we talked about this, I think, last time a little bit, that um, the show's narrative has put the Starks front and center, like, this is the tragedy of the Starks. Right. And yet, m- all these other houses have been lo- losing all of their kin. And, you know, all the things that happened to the Starks have happened to everybody else, too, really. Yeah. But this was a reminder that here the Starks march in and say, okay, you know, <laughs> drop everything.
0: Yeah, come on and come, help us.
1: Come, come to certain doom. Come come, and join us and yeah. the
0: the giants. Oh, and that scene was good, too, where he's actually convincing the Wildlings to join him. That was a great scene. That was dude. a great scene. Anything with one one, I'm super happy to oh, see. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, he's so much fun. <laughs> and, of course, I can't get through those scenes without thinking about uh, um, Tormund in... <laughs> The the days in or whatever it yes. is, I just can't get. Every time I see him, the only things I want to see is the whole thing where he's shipped with Brienne, <laughs> and I also want to see him in the blue suit. Yes,
0: with his super groomed beard, and he just shows up and smiles.
1: <laughs> there's a um, there's a video I came across online, um, that he took. It's like a set video. Oh nice. He says, okay, the time has come. It's finally come. I'm you know. My scenes have ended, whatever, and it's time to shave, cut, you know, shave the beard. And his <laughs> assistant gives him the clippers, whatever. And then he goes, you know, it's been a wonderful time. You know, this has been a thing, but there's more to me than just this. You know, I have to, you know, let's get, let's be real. And then he goes and he clips like one hair. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, I do remember that. That's amazing. I love that actor. I'm going to follow anything he does after this because it's excellent. Yes, he, ought to, he brings it with him.
1: Yeah, yes. he's got so much personality. So that whole thing about um, trying to gather support for the for the Starks, mm-hmm. here's something else that I thought was interesting because we were initially a little bit concerned about, like, what what's the deal with her not telling uh, – not telling Jon Snow about what Littlefinger told her? And right. You now, well, clearly it's because there's so much untold history between them and he would never understand how she would be allied with someone who was party to their father being beheaded. Right alone as we know orchestrated the whole fucking thing right so you know it was interesting enough that she didn't tell him that she had access to this and then that she knew how she knew that there was this army that they could that they could uh bring into the fold and he's like well i don't know no we're not gonna do it right so here here you see they're trying to go john's way Mm
2: -hmm. and they're getting
1: very little traction they're not finding anybody to join them pretty much and and I think I assume that's what we saw is her being like, well, okay, screw it, I'm gonna Yeah, I'm they're settle.
0: they're a little unclear, but they, I can't imagine anyone else should be writing to but him.
1: Well, and so that's that's setting a stage. It's continuing to set a stage for a conflict between, like, sort of a power conflict between John and her. Right. Even though she's asked him for the help, there's a interesting gender politics here, which is that you know, of course, that means oh. oh, I need a man to come and. And do this for me but in fact and so he's just automatically slipped into that role i'm going to be dad, right i'm going to carry on the tradition of dad and i'm very obviously like him and and uh, oh you showed me this thing so now i look like him and blah 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 but but before i believe all my own stuff you're going to then undermine me and actually take control
0: that actually did just remind me that there is another Tully floating around because well there was, because Catelyn's sister was the queen of the Ari that Peter threw oh. out the moondor. Right. Right. I'd forgotten so, about that.
1: So does that mean that that he is a Tully? No, because he's a Well,
0: no, she was a Tully. She was Catelyn's sister. Oh, but she before married she Aaron. John Aaron, who was the hand before right, right, right. Stark. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so I guess technically speaking, the Aery should be loyal to the Starks anyway. But it's Peter now, so who knows what he's doing?
1: <laughs> come and see, come and see. <laughs>
0: God, I love that guy.
1: It's the only thing. I, I I don't want any of the things he deserves to happen to him just because I want more. I to
0: know that's what I was just thinking too. So yeah, I think that was the the extent of. Below the wall in the north, should we pop up over the wall to the couple of interesting scenes? Yes. In the wild.
1: Yes. Wild scenes. Let's wild do Wild
0: scenes. So we had Bran and Mira escaping oh. or trying to escape the the others. Right. North of the wall, there, her dragging his lanky ass through the woods. That hopeless. <laughs> That
1: hopeless thing. So wait, okay, so I lost track. Yeah, you're right. So that was that whole reveal was a major uh book plot point that George Your Mug R Martin yes, RR. insisted Cold Hands is not gonna be Benjamin, Right. And then he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm
0: curious about that. I I'll be really curious to see if that was just him giving people shit or right. if that's a show creation and they've combined two characters again.
1: Well, I mean, he very definitely has the that white the, like he had described that he had been stabbed and yeah, had been saved or whatever. But I mean, he definitely has that look. He's all white and weird and
0: yeah. They're they're being chased by the others, and Benjamin comes to their rescue. He's got that sweet mace that's on fire or whatever that was he was using. That was awesome. I, it looked like it was an obsidian mace with fire in it or something. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, and he comes to their rescue, takes them to. Well, he doesn't really take him to safety so much as just a different campsite, but Right. Um And yeah, he reveals that he'd been turned and the children of the forest stab him with the obsidian and keep him from turning all the way, which was interesting. Yep. And he goes all rough looking.
1: <laughs> it was great.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: there was I don't know, there was definitely some weird artifice to that whole thing. Like he was he was cloaked in a very forced way mm-hmm. and he was very theatrical and and sort of superhero-y in his right. saving them and so i mean i wasn't super thrilled with how they executed that i thought like they could have
0: which if they cut had, a few had scenes and d- saved some time followed the books it would have been even more so because in the books he's riding a giant stag instead of a right. horse and he has an army of ravens behind him that follow him and drape over the trees and pluck eyes out of zombies and that kind of thing. Yeah. Which would have been amazing to see, but by the same token, you're right, it would have been this like over the top artifice superhero coming in to swoop in and save the day. Yeah.
1: So that's so that's an interesting plot point that that's what that's who's taken over for Kodor and company is now Ben Jen's back.
0: Yeah. And the visions that Bran had are pretty yes. interesting.
1: So that was that was a summary of him catching up on the entirety of Westerosi history.
0: <laughs> Basically. Which was neat. Yeah.
1: And and I did and I was that guy that sat there and tried to dutifully freeze frame and, watch <laughs> I stuff you were. and see. And see most of the footage, and, you know, I think I caught most things, but a lot of it was obviously older footage, mm-hmm. but there were some new ones. First time we've seen the Mad King.
0: Yeah. Let alone
1: his stabbing. And, and also, much like we saw in a previous flashback with Ned, his, his stabbing was different than was described. Right. He was not. He wasn't stabbed from behind. He also wasn't stabbed... Calling out the orders to kill everybody, as as uh, as uh, Jamie said, either right. Jamie just right. actually just went to, went to his side and went, all right. <laughs> yeah, Doink. there he goes. And then he I mean, he was going "Burn them all, burn them all. Right. But it wasn't exactly as described.
0: Right. And then there were some shots of the the dragon's fire. Yes. Or dragon fire is that what they called it? Dragon fire, yeah. yeah. And,
1: and and they talked about how he was stockpiling this terrorist weapon basically all around. Right. The- Right. So he show the images of it, which was interesting.
0: Yeah, there were multiple shots of the the alchemists or whatever making the ecto-cooler down in the basement. Uh,
1: yeah, ecto-cooler, <laughs> yes. High C.
0: Yes. Um, so that was all interesting. Yeah, it wasn't anything super... I mean, it was a huge revelation bringing somebody back from the first season. But the, the visions themselves didn't really reveal that much outside of just that, like the, the slight variation in the way the Mad King was killed.
1: Right. Mostly just giving us an indication that he's going to be armed with that much knowledge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was about it. North of the wall, they kind of just cut off from there and they're just like, Benjamin's back.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun,
0: dun. It's
1: snowy and white and cold.
0: (laughs) Right. So that leaves us with the valley. Mm hmm. And. Oh, Tits and Krakens. Oh, hello. Tits and Krakens. Huh? Over with with Yara or whatever they call her in the show, and uh, uh, the Krakens and their boats uh, and the, the great boobs, Greyjoy's. Thank you.
1: Are you talking about their prostitution? Their little their little detour yeah, to the uh, yeah. It's it's like your typical um, comfort Conan. port. It's <laughs> like your comfort port for pirates, right? Yeah, they're
0: in Slavers Bay. Slavers Bay. Yeah. Great yeah which is kind of the bar uh tortuga of Westeros where that's where all the right. slaves go and they have all the slave markets and they've got all sorts of slave girls and, and that whole scene definitely reminded me of something from a like an old school Conan comic totally which i really liked and right. it reinforces that rumor that she yes. may be taking the place of Victorian from the comic or from the books and be seducing Daenerys and be her kind of her source for the ships. Because well, last
1: time when we were talking about it, I said that his, his main, her uncle's main claim for the right to the throne was that he had a plan and he was going to go and, and, and seduce Daenerys and hitch, Hitched to her wagon train, right? And pretty soon they were going to be sacking King's Landing. And, and at the time we were talking about it, like, well, all she had proposed they were going to do is build their ships, right? Build their ships up, and then go just I don't know, ransack everyone.
0: We're going to have boats and, and be fancy, right? And then
1: his <laughs> thing was, we're very specifically going to hitch with with Daenerys, right? And we thought, oh well, with that, with him gone, that's obviously not happening. But this is. But now they've established that she has the exact same plan. It makes me wonder: was that her plan all along, or did she learn about this opportunity from him and decide, okay, I'm going to take action on it?
0: Yeah, that's the real question. And they show that she has interest in females. Oh yes, they do. And they also show that she's not ready to give up on Theon and knows that real Theons in. I yeah, I really liked the way they did that. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> drink drink that ale god damn it
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's an really interesting actress because she's just not she's inherently not charismatic she's not yeah. i mean she is she's interesting yeah But she doesn't like command your attention the way some would so she's kind of a slow burn she's not like instantly in your face like captivating to watch yeah but at the same time you're looking at it, it's like wow talk about a trailblazer right yeah in terms of gender politics, I mean she's just owning it there,
0: yeah, I really like her i I wasn't sure how I felt about her the first time they showed her like forever ago, but i she's got this like this charisma that's very different than what you would expect, but it totally fits for what her family is and that kind of thing too yeah, yeah I, I think be- it's really interesting.
1: So that whole scene's primary function was to show that there was hope for him uh, coming out of his shell and becoming useful.
0: Yeah. And that they've made it a pretty fair distance. Because if I remember right, Slaver's Bay is over on the other side. Right. It's just not over to Marine yet kind of thing. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Um, And, you know, that was just a short scene. There were lots of boobs.
1: It was the requisite boobs.
0: Yes. They're like, we need to get the nudity rating for this episode.
1: We're low on dragons this episode. Crank the boobs.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I guess that just leaves us with... Let me check my notes here. But I think all we have left is the big reveal for this last episode. Yeah, looks like it. So we have... A nice little valley with Mr. Tits and Dragons himself. Huh.
1: Okay, so this was the first time that I can recall that we had a opening sequence before the credits. Am I wrong?
0: I think so. I think that was, because typically they have a previously on Game of Thrones. Well, and they did, but this and was the first time. And then they go... Right. I'm trying to remember, actually, now that you say that. Because I almost feel like the uh, Bran one was.
2: Mm, I may have still. to
0: rewatch and see. I can't remember, but I do think this might be the first cold opening that Game of Thrones has done.
1: Um, it was very effective,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I was laughing to myself because it was like, talk about, talk about um, our discussion of hap- things happening in the books directly spoiling. It's You know, it at least as it started out, I was like, well, it's exactly as Chris was saying. Here's the priest that's been hiding the, you know, hiding Gregane. Uh, And then it goes very differently from the books, I would assume.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, none of this has happened in the books at all. I mean, they... Uh, if I remember right, in the books, the priest is at a monastery on an island, and there's other priests... And acolytes and that kind of thing. And there's rumors that there's this big grave digger, who's far larger and stronger than a regular man. And there's so the books
1: is is this is uh is the hound that imposing?
0: Oh yeah, he's like he's not mountain imposing, but he's he's imposing. not mountain imposing, but the mountain's like seven six or something insane like that, and the hound is well over six feet.
1: Well, because in the show. He's known, as he's implied, he's known for being just, he's just a big guy who's tough to kill. Right. He takes a lot of punishment. But the actor himself is not like he's towering over everybody.
0: Right. Um, And, you know, he's 6'6 in real life. The actor is. Is he really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Um, Punch myself. The mountain is reported as being eight feet tall in the story in the in the book, and then, yeah, it looks like <laughs> he is somewhere over six and a half feet tall because they um George R. R. Martin says that Jamie's six feet tall and that the hound is taller than him by a significant margin, Wow, so yeah, he plays somebody that's about six eight six six, and i the actor that plays him is six six, so he's pretty accurate height wise.
1: I thought of something really quickly before we go into that scene more um, that we didn't talk about, which was something I had been hoping for. And then it happened, which was that when we engaged on the ride out to the siege mm-hmm. of Bla- siege of Blackfish's castle, we saw the return of Jamie's pal. Uh, Braun. Ron.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, we didn't mention him at all. And he was really great. Yeah,
1: he's as as usual was was entertaining. Just don't.
0: Yes. (laughs) Planes just
1: always pay their... Just don't. Yeah. You promised promised me a castle and a beautiful wife, and you gave me.
0: (laughs) He gave me the the fat dumb girl, and. (laughs) Yeah, which is interesting in the the book. As far as Braun goes, he's fairly loyal and like dedicated to his wife. Um. Hmm. But he's also not in it nearly as much in the book in terms of, like, he doesn't go off on adventures with Jamie and that kind of thing. Uh, um, pretty much once Tyrion leaves the scene, it's basically just bronze like, in passing kind of things. So, I think they're just like, this actor's too friggin' amazing for us to not use him regularly in this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, that was great. Alright,
1: yeah. sorry, go on. So, we have the introduction of the... The Return of
0: the Hound.
1: The Return of the Hound and the introduction of the character being played by Ian McShane that we've been waiting for.
0: Yeah. Who was really good. I liked him so much in this. I mean, I like Ian McShane in pretty much everything, but yeah. he played Brother Ray, which is such a hippie name. Brother Ray. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and it was a very cynical. I mean, you know, obviously skipping to the end, it was a very cynical thing in in sort of reestablishing or reminding that this is a cruel world with cruel people in it. And that, you know, while we have encountered some noble people, Mm -hmm. some truly noble or virtuous people, by and large, this is a world that has, that has been populated by and is benefited by the cruel. And so when those guys come looking for trouble and then they come back and just kill everybody, (laughs) just completely destroy them, for no reason um, as a mechanism to convince the hound to get back at it. Mm -hmm. It had, it had a little bit of a, a flavor like when Stansa, Sansa was, was attacked (laughs) on her wedding night and the camera just focused on reek. Right. And and they use that as a deflection so they don't have to show the rape, but the internet said, well, wait a minute, how come a woman's rape is used as a mechanism to show reeks,
0: Right. So Why is his yeah. pain instead of her pain?
1: Right. And so, I, you know, in a way, I felt like that was like this whole this whole uh, enclave of missionaries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Their sole purpose was to fire up the hound enough to get him back in the action.
2: Right.
0: And I think they did a pretty good job with that in yeah. that respect. Certainly,
1: he was just a sort of like his 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 resignation was. Palpable when he's just like, oh
2: gosh, right. He
0: sees him
1: hanging, and what I loved about it, there was a certain I've always liked about that character. There's a very there's a matter of factness to him, and I love that he didn't even bother to cut Ray down.
2: Right.
0: This
1: is no point. Yeah. Right? Just on get on with it.
2: Yeah, he's dead.
0: I need to go get some revenge, but yeah, I'm dead is dead.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought that was pretty compelling. Yeah. Because obviously, Ray had taken on some risk Mm -hmm. bringing bringing the Hound on, knowing his reputation. Yeah, he had a pretty significant
0: risk because he knew who the Hound was and what he was doing.
1: And then here's the Hound being much more pragmatic about it.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I can't wait to see how his storyline continues because, you know. Yeah. That was... uh, Terrence Stamp in the limey you know it was just like he's (laughs) tell him I'm coming so so what else what else about that scene there was was something else about it that I was interested in
0: the brotherhood without banners is interesting because those are the guys in the book that are connected to uh, the, the guy in the red priest that keeps resurrecting people
1: So that's who those guys were? Right. I was wondering whose land they were on.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're on anyone's land. The Brotherhood, literally, they call themselves the Brotherhood without banners. They don't have an associated kingdom or land or anything connected to it. Right. They're literally just, like, going out giving Lannister shit and that kind of thing. Right. They're kind of Robin Hood and his Merry Men without the... The... The good aspects of it. <laughs> right.
1: Well that was that that was what I found interesting, was they just came out and they, they came at them like the worst mm-hmm. in terms of abuse of power. Like it was just like so beyond the pale that I was like, Are these bandits or are these cruel like what you know? Yeah.
2: I yeah. couldn't
1: quite I couldn't quite get the measure of the tone of that. Like, was that supposed to be just indicative of anyone who's in the you know? Who's in the soldier class? <laughs> right. They're just gonna just pillage anybody they come across, or is it specifically that clan or those people?
0: Yeah, I think I think those guys have just had just enough loose reign on them that they're just like, man, we do whatever the hell we want at this point right now. Right. And the thing that's interesting about it though is that those guys, not necessarily those specific guys, but the Brotherhood without Banners had captured Clegane at one point. Oh, Remember that scene with Clegane and Arya where they were traveling and mm. the, the the he fights the guy that he cuts almost in half and then right. the red priest resurrects him. Those are those guys. Oh. So they know the Hound and he's had a run in with them previously.
1: Now, do you think that they saw him and recognized him?
0: I don't think so. I think they're just being douchebags, but it's possible, I guess. But
1: sad scene, another sad way to end the episode that I thought was very powerful. Yeah. I, you know, I it was a little bit like I hear a scream and then I come and everyone's dead already, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was the last one.
0: I kind of like that better than him like being up on the ridge and looking down and seeing him or something like that. Sure. Because it was very, it would have been very unhound-like for him to be like, oh, no, and grab his stuff and go running down the hill to chase him. Whereas instead he's just like, oh, shit, and he goes and gets yeah. his axe. And <laughs> yeah, I am I was, surprised. So, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just saying it was
1: a very impressive scene. And also, I'm sure what you're about to say, I will agree with no, I know. I'm I, sure it's I was going to say.
0: I was kind of surprised that he didn't... I assumed that he was going to walk over and pick up his old beat-up helm, his hound oh. helmet, instead of the axe. I thought that's where they were going to end it, was him picking that up instead. But the axe well, works.
1: Did he have his old helmets there still? Was that a problem? Well,
0: there? I'm assuming that they probably... Because he was wearing his armor when he was knocked off the cliff and everything. Oh, I see.
1: We hadn't seen it yet, but you're saying you just figured that was going to happen? Yeah. I, I just thought there was a certain utilitarian urgency about picking up picking up an axe and going at it.
0: I did like that, yeah.
1: Um. So, I, okay, so what I was going to say was I thought it was surprising that after all the hubbub about Ian McShane being on the show...
2: One episode? He
1: was a one-episode one guy.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised by that, too. But I like that because it's sort
1: of like, you know, whenever... You have a, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule. I think the most, the the best one that comes to mind is, you know, uh, Steven Seagal being taken out in the first <laughs> act of that whatever that generic movie was, right? Where he's 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 first billing he's first billed on the movie and he's out in the first act.
0: That was the same with Scream and Drew Barrymore too, where they're like, oh, Drew mm-hmm. Barrymore's in this, and then she gets killed by the smiley faced ghost guy whatever the fuck his name was oh i
1: didn't know i i haven't seen that but i didn't know that that was the case i didn't know that she didn't survive it
0: oh yeah she uh they advertise her as like being the star and she's killed in the very first scene of the movie
1: oh so when they call and all that yeah stuff. do you
0: like scary movies and then she dies horribly gets stabbed to death and then the movie starts
1: oh interesting yeah
0: it's super clever. i like that yeah yeah, Scream's a good movie. I know you're not a horror fan, but...
1: No, but we've got... In culture, we've gotten to the point where Scream is now classic It is, It is. You know...
0: Yeah. But yeah, I I really enjoyed the way they brought him back. I kind of like that they didn't tease us for any longer than they did. Because yeah. there's certain things you can do in literature that you can't do in television. And one thing that you can do is keep the mystery about a person... Going for a lot longer in literature than you can in TV. True. There's not like you could continually have the Hound just like, oh look at this big guy carrying the log but not showing his face. Oh look at this big guy's hand chopping wood but not showing his face. Kind right. of thing. And
1: you know it, the 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 Carlitos Way aspect of this where he's just you know they keep you know really me back in right. Hold me back in whatever. I <laughs> I like that about it. Like that he has been like he's been trying to just toe the line yeah but is, unre- but is not expecting it to work and he's even warning the priest you know <laughs> right and then it happens as he feared
0: and i love the him and carrying so that giant log by himself that was oh, yeah. such a great shot <laughs> but yeah so, that was i think that's it for six and seven
1: no it's not we what, got something major forget Something major. What are the most um, impressive scenes in the whole thing? What are you talking about? Arya got knifed.
0: What Arya? <laughs> Arya? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, that Dude. was. Uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. I don't know where they're going with that entire Arya stuff. I don't know if this is all a big plot by Jock and Hagar, and he saw this stuff coming, or if the botched assassination ass- attempt by Arya and then the waif's attempt on her life that was botched. If that's going to kind of circle around.
1: Well, okay. So I, it, it, it stayed with me. I was like, uh, cause I mean, even in, even in our world, a major gut wound in dirty yeah. water is a bad thing. Yeah. She, she had enough to, to get to swim and get out of there, but then she's wandering the streets in the days I just don't think they're going to kill Arya this way. There's no but way. It's really, but it's really fascinating turn of events, right? Yeah,
0: because they showed not only the stab, but the stab and the twist. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I, I'm really curious what's going to happen there because... Jaqen Hagar laid out that very specific rule about assassination and about how if you fail to assassinate, then you you have to bring a face back or it's your face kind of thing. Right. And now the waif has failed her assigned assassination. That's a really good point.
1: I didn't think about that at the time. I was thinking – I was actually just critical that why is it that Arya – wasn't on her guard better. Right. When an old lady walks up to her when she's been hanging out with chameleon assassins. No shit. Why would she let someone come up like that? But at the same time, you know, it was really just like from behind.
0: Right. And she was all cocky because she had Needle now and she booked Passage and so I think she was just like, meh, I'm cocky. I can do anything kind of thing. And And that had
1: been such a fun scene with her booking the Passage and being all like, you know, yeah. No, you're gonna do it on this schedule and you're gonna do this and this, and here's another bag and you're gonna get it when you get
0: me there. And then that skillful yoink as she walks yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get these when we get on the boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was it was it was so great and empowering until it wasn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd be really curious to it see. It was realistic though. Like I I'm assuming she's either gonna to go to Jockin Hagar, or she's gonna to go to the Mummers. Uh-huh. And join up with them and they'll maybe bring her back to life. That kind of thing.
1: Because the, the... mummers, What do you mean by the mummers? The
0: actors. The, oh, oh. oh the, right. the troop that she rescued the lady. Because the guy that plays the main mummer in that, the, 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 the older dude... Yep. He's
1: a well-known actor. He's a
0: well-known actor. And he's hardly had any lines at all. Yeah, he definitely has more to do. yeah. I'm really and also that whole
1: plot had to that whole plot had to be more than just satirizing or just show what the people thought of the i agree of the politics of the throne
0: right I'm really assuming that the mummers are working with Jock and Hagar she'll show up to their place they'll take her in they'll kind of try to heal her and Jock and'll show up and be like, You a girl must blah 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 kind of thing something cryptic and strangely worded. <laughs>
1: A girl has effed up.
0: Yeah. A girl will follow the mummers to Westeros and learn how to dress fancy. You
1: know, I, what I liked about the attack was it, it, you know, I don't think it was particularly sensational. Mm -hmm. I thought it was refreshing, refreshingly realistic. Yeah. It was very brutal. Yeah. I've always been sort of of the mind that when someone's out to get you, it's sort of like when we used to, when I've done those battle Royale art competitions with, that one website and you know i had to sit there and try to rationalize how this character or that character would win a given battle and and i'm sitting here and i had iron man and i think well if i were to try to imagine how, what the other character would do <laughs> how would the other character get a drop on him and i'm thinking right. it's, a, it's called a 50 cal right you know?
0: exactly
1: from, or it's the it's the it's the super sniper rifle from a mile away yeah, or it's poison on the lips, right? There's a thousand ways you could get to Tony. Yeah, and I, and I used that in my competition entry, right? I had right. I had the wasp seduce him and then get him when he was out of his armor. So, uh, I liked the vulnerability. I liked that they had built her up with her confidence and her skill set and and everything else, mm-hmm. and then she got taken out just.
0: Yeah. yeah, I like the the lack of the Bondian theatrics. There was sure. the lead up and the the chase scene or anything like that. She just walked up and shanked her. <laughs>
1: the Bondian theatrics, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, so that was that was really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really strong way to end that episode. I liked that it was just bam is Arya going to live or not and her just staggering down the street with blood dripping from her gut that was just solid and it looks
1: <laughs> it looks serious to yeah it, it
0: really stop. does and man are people going to be pissed if that is how they kill her after all they've done to build up her story and they're just like oh nope ha 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 she's dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally
1: so, do you, so what do you think is going to happen in the next one, because I Jeez. watched the in the next episode thing, but I didn't really have a sense of it.
0: Well, it's pretty clear. Brienne shows up at River Run. Right. And her and Jamie have some conversations. I'm assuming they must have sent her that way to try and recruit the Tullys to oh. Jon Snow's cause. Yeah. And she gets there to find a siege going on. Right. And so there's going to be discussion there. I, I honestly don't remember anything else about the previews. I don't even remember who else they showed.
1: Well, this, this show's always had those kinds of previews where it's like, well, on the next episode, oh, 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 <laughs> right. man, that's it, you know? Like the old down, the Downton Abbey, I don't know if you ever watched that, but their previews were always ridiculous. It was just like, I don't even know who they got to, it was a joke with my wife and I, like, who did they pay to do these? Because it's like they had stock footage only to work with, because right. like, on the next episode, <laughs> people will gasp.
0: Because you know? <laughs> we literally only have three episodes left, right? We have 8, 9, and it. 10. I don't say it. Makes me it must, sad.
1: It needs to go on forever.
0: But yeah, the yeah, Downton Abbey and uh, Mad Men were both notorious for that. Right. Where they would just like, oh, here's a door shutting. Oh, somebody's drinking.
2: <laughs> here's somebody <laughs> yeah. putting
0: a suit on. I can't believe you. Shut your mouth. <laughs> On the next episode, (laughs) so let's see. On the next episode of Game of Thrones, we see Cersei and the Mountain talking to some sparrows in a dramatic fashion. Mm -hmm. We see Brienne talking to the Blackfish and to Jaime. Uh, Another cut of Cersei and the Mountain. Then a cut to Jaime. Then a cut to a flag. Then more Jaime. Man, lots of Jaime. Then it shows, oh, it shows the waif look dramatically over her shoulder before cutting to a scene of the hound hitting somebody with an axe. And then it shows Gendry.
1: Gendry, that's right. And it looks like Gendry gets caught from behind. Yeah,
0: which we haven't seen Gendry since he was rowing off in a boat. Right. And, or is that, no, is that Gendry or do you think that's Pod?
1: It looks like Pod to me, sorry.
0: Pod, Pod, not Gendry.
1: No. So Pod gets
0: grabbed from behind.
1: Of course he does. This is Game of Thrones.
0: It shows Tyrion very briefly. Then it shows the waif running. That's and right. And jumping dramatically off a shelf. Or a cliff or a something.
1: Gosh, how much I want.
0: I want, to go after her. Oh my god, I want to see her die so bad. <laughs> the idea of someone going after the assassins. <laughs> yes. Really yeah. And then it ends with uh, one of the sparrows, I think? Yeah, one of the sparrows having his head grabbed by that giant hand of the mountain. Oh,
1: right. You so, do see, yeah, you definitely see sparrows on the ground.
0: Yeah, there's going to be some sparrow killing going on in the next one. And I expect, I expect no less from them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see some head smashage.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> tune in next week for... Yes. And you, can do, you can do the sound effect that you did that one time <laughs> in our previous one where yes. you actually got a sample of the head smooshing.
0: <laughs> so that's that's next episode. Uh, we will be reviewing it in two weeks' time, though. Yeah, that's Because right. we're going to do something else. Probably X-Men. Maybe X-Men and Nice Guys on the next episode. Yes. And I then, think that, that would make sense. Yeah, if we can get to both of those seen, I'm going to try and find a way to get to Nice Guys before we record again. Excellent. And then we'll talk about episode 8 and 9 on an episode, and then we'll cover the finale on one, I think. Yeah, probably so. Yeah.
1: So that was our sweet double feature of Game of Tolls. So what was your red tentacle moment?
0: Okay, so here it is. Red tentacle moment.
1: (laughs) I deflect to you. What was your red tentacle moment? Because I'm on the fence.
0: I've kind of got to give it to the... Honestly, I've got to give it to the costuming on the scene with Blackfish and Jamie yeah. because I was like, I rewound and watched that scene twice just to watch the outfits on that scene. I was blown away by how good they looked.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think on the episode six, my red tentacle moment was the tension when the army, when the uh, Tyrell army led by Jamie marched in thinking that they were going to be just, just basically just storm, just (laughs) steamroll right on in and take them out. And there's this small number of, there's a fairly small number of sparrows. Right. And you think they just think that they own it and they march in and they're flanked by high walls. This completely like neck to neck packed civilian population. That's all pro sparrows. And then the sparrows are up on the high ground and the horseback, you know, being on horseback in confined quarters doesn't work. And there was no. that all that long periods of stillness where all you hear is the nervous horses and the shuffling and the chinking of armor. And I just thought that whole tension in that scene was just the best. Yeah. That and then uh, on the on uh, this this one from last night, I I have to give it to Mormon. I I just I nice. love her nice. so much everything about her just was just like talk to the hand, and I just loved it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I rarely like child actors. No. But this show is so good at finding child actors that I genuinely enjoy watching. Or and
1: you very, Or you like what you're supposed to like, and you hate what you hate.
2: What right,
0: to... right. Like the waif and the king whose name I've forgotten already because he choked to death horribly. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Joffrey. Joffrey. Yeah, the the ability to find a child actor who can be so... Immensely unlikable, so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on. Um. So, should we well, move so, on? Yeah, let's move on to uh, what our planned plundering. Planned plundering. Do you have any planned plundering in your future? I'm still trying to get caught up on Deadwood. Um, so you
1: never saw Deadwood? Is that what's happening? Or you're I re-seeing.
0: have seen the first. Uh, what is there three seasons of Deadwood?
1: Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, sounds. About I right.
0: I have the first two. I've never seen the third. Huh. And it's because their their friggin' DVD sets were so ungodly expensive uh. all the time. I mean, you couldn't even used. You couldn't find them for under seventy bucks a piece. And so I'd always like I'd found a couple of them used, and I'd had them. But now that we have HBO now, I'd like to rewatch the seasons. I'd also like to see season two of American Detective. But we're also only keeping our HBO Now account through the end of Game of Thrones, which means I've got a lot of watching to do if I want to actually cover that. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: yeah. Um, So, yeah, True Detective. I mean, I definitely would encourage that because I've been one of those vocal minorities that are saying, you know, it wasn't as bad as everyone said. Right. I I was aiming, it was sort of like lost in a way. I was was building in my head and expecting a layer of, of... of importance to things that were happening that didn't manifest. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I would say that it deserves the criticism that it got. And we'll see once you've watched it, whether yeah. that's your, that's your takeaway or not. But for me, I do, I do think it's worth watching. Right on. <clears throat> so what do I have for me? I have, I have written down preacher unlock. So the problem is there's an app on the Apple TV for amc okay just like many other apps that are are uh, broadcaster specific right and when you go to access them the first time you have to unlock it using your cable credentials ah. right? which i may or may not have of my own <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so then when you do it it gives you a list of pbs and these things they just want you to sign in for right some, for right. whatever reason i think it's for demographics purposes but mm-hmm. but for the stuff that's based on cable you have to pick the cable provider that you have, and then you enter your username and password. Ah. So in all of the other app on, well, it turns out that there's a small number of them that are like this, but you know, on most of my apps that I go to activate, uh, kids want something from that one or whatever. So mm-hmm. I go to activate it, and I can pick Comcast Xfinity, which is the provider here. Right. No problem. AMC, Comcast Xfinity is not in the list. Really? So then I went online and looked at it, and apparently it's, it's provider by provider in specific markets where they decide if they will or will not allow certain content to be in certain delivery systems.
0: Well, that's bullshit.
1: <laughs> yeah, so apparently Comcast here, if you go to the iPad app for, for AMC, mm-hmm. you can you can log in and you can watch the stuff.
0: Okay. But the Apple TV
1: app, it does not allow. So there's something specific about the rights agreement for distribution that AMC has written in that they can do it the one way, but they can't do it the other way.
0: Well, that's crap. So,
1: yeah, so on the one hand, I, I need to try again just at the very least doing it on the iPhone or, or the iPad and then and then screen sharing it to the TV. Right. Just work. Uh, also, I looked up online and someone someone had posted a hack of how you can change the pathing of the URL um, and force it to activate it. Okay. So I'm going to test it. I'm not sure if it's going to work. Because the problem is Preacher pilot episode is available for free, but they've loaded it with ads, and not just a few ads, but like five right. two-minute or four-minute sections of yeah, ads. Yeah,
0: I literally gave up watching it. I yeah. watched about ten minutes of it and I was like, screw this noise. I'll find a different way of watching it at some point. Yeah, it just I, it was
1: it was completely unbearable to me. And so on the basis of that, I want to and and then also when I went and finally logged into Preacher to watch it, I was so tired that I couldn't really fa- – you know, like I, I have a good memory. I have a mental image of a lot of what happened, but I wasn't enjoying some of the nuance as much as I could have. Right. So I want to go back. <clears throat> I want to go back and watch it again and try to get a better sense of that stuff. You know, and, and also I don't know whether it was the the method that I was using at the time. Like I don't remember if maybe I was – uh, had earphones down low or maybe I was using the speak the, 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 my little sound bar but I had that down mm-hmm.
2: For
1: whatever reason I could not make heads or tails of Gilgun's
2: really interesting. Yeah, like it, it
1: sounded like Marble Mouth it was like the sound mix was flat like the sounds hmm. of the sound effects in the plane were as loud as his dialogue and I just couldn't hear his dialogue
0: interesting
1: so I want to go back and do it again, just so that I can, you know, just so I can track more of what he was actually saying. Right. Um, it is interesting, though. You you again have wasted your time and not watched Misfits. But <laughs> he's using he's using a straight up Irish accent for Cassidy as he's supposed to. Right. And in Misfits, he was using an East Enders accent, and it's you know just interesting. <laughs> these, these these UK types are really good about that. Yes. But anyway, so I'm excited about that. I want to see that again. And what else? I have a few other things. So, okay, so I'm going to see Nice Guys on Tuesday. Um, I bought that Star Wars book, Bloodline, which I told you about. So it's sitting in my stack of books. It's real physical books to read at the top. (laughs) My wife was just like, you bought another thing like that? You bought another thing with, with words on it?
0: Uh, Oh, I actually have a physical book I'm going to read, too. Which is what? Uh, I don't know where it's at, and I don't remember what it's called. But my buddy Judd, who... He's my buddy now, but previous to that, he was just a customer at some of the cons I'd gone to. Uh-huh. Uh, he lives in the Salt Lake area, and we kind of talked and chatted over a couple of cons, and then we spent quite a bit of time talking at this last con, but his cousin wrote a book, and so he hooked me up with a copy of that to read, and it looks really interesting.
2: Oh, neat. So, yeah.
0: I, um, I If I was a better podcaster, I'd remember the name of it and the author, but he hasn't gotten like- to this episode because he started way back at the beginning, so hopefully by the time.
1: So, in theory, then you will be able to add those links to the website when yeah. we post.
0: Who wrote the the Bloodlines book? I haven't heard anything uh, about it. Hang on, wait. I'll tell you right now. At
1: primary this point, sort.
0: Tom dives into his ball pit to
1: <laughs> primary source analysis. Who is
0: that hardcover? yes it is swank i I only buy
1: hardcover much to the chagrin of my friends who have been asked to move me from year to year (laughs) over my lifetime of my collection of hardcover books nice star wars bloodline claudia gray Hmm.
0: i've never heard of her before she's a
1: best-selling author Hmm. so this is the this is really interesting i was going to ask you about this because you read physical books and it's been a while for me but what I find just <laughs> here is there's a sticker on here. So I went to an actual bookstore and not even a mom and pop like I should because I mm-hmm. couldn't even find a mom and pop anymore. But I um, went to Barnes & Noble and there's a sticker on here that says Barnes & Noble Special Edition with Exclusive Content.
0: Ooh.
1: So how trippy is that? That's like that's video weird. games, right? Yeah. Where the video game is sold through different outlets and they have downloadable content that's unique to that outlet.
0: Yeah, that is odd.
1: Right? In like, a book form,
0: like what? What the heck kind of bonus content does it have? I don't
1: know. <laughs> How would I know?
0: Right, that's a good point. I don't
1: have a frame of reference, but it's an interesting hmm. thing that I've never heard that they did that in books.
0: Yeah, so. that's odd. So it appears that she has also written a series called *Evernight*. Uh huh. Um, and it looks like it is something about an eerie gothic boarding school. Well, sure it is. Where the students are somehow too perfect, smart, sleek, and almost predatory. It sounds like it's a werewolf series. Uh Aha! yes. So is that a young adult book, or did they just hack a young adult author, I wonder? The covers for the Evernight series are super boring. They're like these super high contrast, just shots of people's faces pouting in the background of the covers.
1: Well, this book definitely, not only does it not um, appear to be a young adult book, um it it i bought it because the reviews were saying it fills the gap in a lot of stuff about the resistance and oh that's cool what happens why why she you know why why there are resistance when they were aligned with the republic that won you know mm-hmm. and all the stuff about the politics that they should have spent you know 50 seconds or an or used in the crawl to explain force awakens <laughs> and didn't Apparently, a lot of that missing info is in this book, so I'm ex- I'm interested about that.
0: It's got a very Ollie Moss esque cover too. Oh, it really
1: does, and I love it. Yeah. So, and the other thing I have is I, I may have mentioned it last time, but I I read up on the hype of the new game Overwatch, and it looks really was,
0: interesting.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 team based, you know, sort of a- action shooter, stylized action shooter stuff sort of like uh, team fortress and those from blizzard and it's all about online content it's all about playing with random people that you don't know what are you trying to attack with there with your tennis
0: racket (laughs) the black widow pay no attention to my movements on the screen (laughs) hundreds of crows there's a gigantic bug in here and this is not actually a tennis racket it's one of those electrified bug jiggers. I don't trust those. They're surprisingly effective unless you hit yourself.
1: Yes, that's my concern, or my children.
0: <laughs> I've I've tagged myself in the knee once or twice. It's not pleasant, but that feel? it's it feels a lot better than it feels when I hit the bugs uh, for sure them.
1: Is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Overwatch, I read about it, and, and what I liked about it was I'm always fascinated by video games that have a style that is not this ultra-realistic, heavily rendered, heavily uh glossed
2: yeah
1: or or overly dark imagery uh i like like i like that there's that um there's a a few games right now that are are cell shaded Mm -hmm. so they're really stylized you know and and uh i just like i just like when the character design is a little bit quirkier and overwatch looks like it's much more stylized in the and it has a lot i've always liked the old uh japanese uh side uh, you know uh side-to-side combat games like rival schools where you had like right. 50 you could choose from i just want the variety yeah so this suggests that and so i pre-ordered it right on even though i have no time for i was about to sell the playstation again uh <laughs> three weeks ago because i just could not get into these award-winning everyone loves it if you don't love it and you're not great at it and you right. suck games like assassin's creed that i got and i just couldn't get into it because i just don't have the time or the skill i was like i gotta give give up these things and then I thought, well, what did I ever ever really like to play anyway? just like sit down and play one night and it was always mm-hmm. the racing stuff oh yeah so I got, so I got need for speed on the PlayStation four and I was like, ooh, it's pretty and fast all right, I'm back in <laughs> and, then, and then I ordered overwatch and so I have yet to open it I've had it in my hands sealed for a week. it looks
0: really neat the the character designs in it look amazing
1: yeah, so I'm gonna crack it I was gonna do it tonight, but I'm tired, but you know maybe in the next couple nights I'll I'll uh, I'll crack it and take a take a look at it. I'm not particularly enthused about online gaming. Right. Because, you know, every nine year old from some other country is going to be better than me. (laughs) So I'm not really enthused about being the guy that gets killed and every it's like the old days with the shooters, the the early online gaming stuff. And and and, you know, you're in some sort of marine shooter environment and immediately you're being snipered by some kid. Yeah. And you can hear them chattering over your little headset.
2: You know,
1: uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but I want to give it a try. The other thing I thought was surprising about it, and I guess this is just a mechanism that both the Xbox and PlayStation use now, and it's irritating, you have to have a subscription to what's called PlayStation Live. Which uh, is it, so you actually pay to play to be on an online portal.
0: Yeah. See and that's this, my problem with those type of games. I don't think I would play it often enough to justify the subscription.
1: Yeah, and then at the same time, the game is entirely multiplayer, and I guess right. you have some some sort of like practice modes you can go through, but ultimately it's intended to be a multiplayer online game. So I buy the game, and then I got to buy the subscription.
2: Right.
1: The upside to that is if I do that, I'll get access to that Power Show, which I've only watched. Oh two-
0: yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind watching that again. I. I've only seen the first half of the season before my, the like free subscription that they were well, offering for a little while expired. So I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Anything Eddie Hazard's awesome. So,
1: well, I got through like two episodes or so, and I was so disappointed at the produ- at the low production quality and dubious. Yeah. I was like, this is not the way you're supposed to do it. Right. <laughs> then I read from people that it got better, so I didn't. I to give it a second chance. But right on. Anyway, all right. So, I guess that's our episode, eh?
0: I believe so. This was episode 19 of Robot Kraken. Where has the time gone? Uh, Into movies, mostly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, next time we're going to either talk about Nice Guys and Mm X-Men, if we can get those both Get you watching both of we'll those. We'll
0: definitely get X-Men. We've already got our tickets for that. So Good. X-Men will be a plus. Yes. I'm just yes. not sure if I'll get a chance to see Nice Guys before I have to go to Denver Comic Con. But we'll see.
1: You try hard. Um, okay. I'll,
0: tr- I'll try hard with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so I guess I would say this has been Robot Kraken.
0: Yeah. That's
1: brought a- to you by your friends Tom and Chris. Where can they reach us?
0: Well, Tom, they can reach us by going to robot-kraken.com.
1: That's a great site.
0: It is a great site. And it's where you can find pretty much anything you need to know about the world of nerd. Yes, sir. You can also write us an email at salty at robot-kraken.com.
1: And we have a Twitter, right?
0: We do have a Twitter. And that one's just robotkraken. There's no dash.
1: It's frustrating, and then um, <laughs> and then also Facebook. Yeah, Facebook group. yeah,
0: and you can just search for Robot Kraken, and we come up. We've got a group there that you can join up and make easy comments and things that we're going to try and be better about updating.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and then so when you go to the website, you'll see. You can also reach us through all the usual stuff on our individual accounts as well. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll throw some there.
0: links there, and if you want to get a hold of just me and be like that Tom. He yep. sure is dulcet.
1: Yes, you can. I encourage it. <laughs> I mean ultimately this is a podcast of two of two pals who are artists who are independent small time artists. Uh you know, shoot, shooting the shit and talking about nerd stuff and talking about our the creation of our art and the going yeah. to cons and doing that stuff too. So you can, if nothing else, you can find us at conventions. You more yeah. than me. Yeah. See us in person.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I'm sure. Nothing nothing would be more fun than having someone randomly come up to you at a con and say, I am one of the three hundred and thirty-three thousand listeners of Robot Dash Kraken and the I love your show.
0: Our legion.
1: Here is a box of psycho donuts <laughs> to show appreciation.
0: Oh, mm, and then I would kiss that person full on the lips at some of these cons. That could be good, that could be bad.
1: <laughs> here's a bacon here's a bacon based pizza.
0: Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I think it's time to put the kraken back in its cage for a week. No, wait, I have one more thing. What?
1: Those listeners who follow us on iTunes and are subscribed. Yes. Please take take the chance if you have some time. If you have 40 minutes in your day, <laughs> go <laughs> ahead and please rank us with their little five-star rating system. I suggest more than 4 and then also uh write a quick review for us because that I don't be know excellent. how I don't know how Apple's uh Uh, QAQC audit is on that Because I have heard from many people that they've Written reviews of the show Mm -hmm. and have Made ratings uh, And you know review you know Mark the ratings of it and it's not Showing up on the iTunes site so I Don't know whether I don't know What drives that it's possible they
0: May be in a different country too
1: yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But I know domestically there are people that have oh, said that. Oh, you know domestic
0: myself. people, huh? Oh, I do.
1: So anyway, the more the better. The more yes. people that write in and say or that do that and 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 rank us and then also write a review, that directly leads to more exposure for us. Yes. For other people who might like to hear the show and, and you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, they might see your review. And, you know, if you guys review us, we'll read it on here.
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Definitely it could, it, it could be a good
0: <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> we'll read it good or bad.
1: Okay, so should we unrelease that
0: Kraken? Yeah, let's unrelease unrelease oh, release the Kraken. Yes. All right, thanks for listening. Have a good night everyone. My
2: oh, watch is ended.